This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. By the way, the brand new freetalklive.com 2.0. If you haven't been there yet, make sure you head over and take a look at the brand new features that are throughout the entire website Uh, The whole thing has been redesigned to make it more community-oriented, more, uh, as they call it, Web 2.0. So enjoy that, freetalklive.com. We're going to start things out here tonight with a story I mentioned last night, but we didn't get a chance to get to. And it's pretty pretty outrageous. I mean, this this Hugo Chavez character, Chavez, uh, down in Venezuela, is he's quite the madman. I mean, if you think that uh, we've got problems with inflation in this country... Well, get this. According to Reuters, Venezuelans rushed to the shops on Saturday, fearful of price rises after a currency devaluation that will let President Hugo Chavez boost government spending ahead of an election, but feeds opposition charges of economic mismanagement. Yeah, you think? In a bid to jumpstart... <laughs> He's devaluing the currency. What, I mean, what, could you, what, level, what charge could you level that wasn't economic mismanagement? Well, it it says here it's a bid to jumpstart the recession-hit economy. <laughs> How is cutting the value of the currency in half going to jumpstart the economy in any way? I guess that that will, um, you know, increase spending from, uh, you know, people outside of the country into the country is the idea. Well, he's just going to give people money. I don't know what he's going to do, but he did say that there's going to be a dual system for the fixed-rate boulevard. It devalues the currency to 4.3 and 2.6 against the dollar from a rate of 2.15 per dollar in place since 2005, giving the better rate for basic goods in an attempt to limit the impact of the measure on consumer prices. So somehow going to have different valuations for the boulevard. I'm not an economics expert, so I don't really understand what what all of it means. But I do know that when you devalue your currency... Uh, that prices will go up. That much I am pretty sure of. In fact, the people of Venezuela are well aware of that. That's why they're rushing to the stores to buy a bunch of stuff before all of a sudden the money they have loses, I don't know, half of its value perhaps. Well, the, the real punchline's coming as to what he intends to do with the store owners. Oh, that- yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The opposition seized on fears that prices for imported goods will double as shoppers formed lines of more than 100 people. Outside some stores in Caracas, it looks it looks like uh, Black Friday, you know. That's in, in fact that's exactly what Diana Sevillana said, uh, the sales executive, at I guess one of the stores. She says it was a Black Friday tinted red in reference to the crimson color of Chavez's socialist party. She stood in a line of 30 people outside an electronics store uh, in a middle-class neighborhood. The socialist Chavez believes the state should have a weighty role in managing the economy. During his 11 years in office, he's nationalized most heavy industry and business and finance are tightly regulated. The devaluation is politically risky, but means every dollar of oil revenue puts more boulevards in the government coffers. That allows Chavez to lavish cash on social projects and fund salary increases ahead of parliamentary elections in September. So basically, he's using the the idea is he's using the money that he'll be getting out of this as a government, uh, you know, the, the head of the state to fund his reelection campaign. Opponents were quick. Tricky to cr- way to uh, get your to fund your re-election campaign, isn't it? Yeah, on the backs of all of the people in your country. Right, the people that oppose and the people that support. Yeah, that's fair. Now, opponents- how specifically is he uh, devaluing? Is he just 
um, printing money beyond control just so he can fund things? Or is he just decreed that it's going to be worth less? Yeah, apparently that's what he's doing. Uh, He is just decreeing that the currency will be worth 4.3 and 2.6 against the dollar. Now, it was a rate of 2.15 per dollar that had been uh, in place since 2005. And essentially, it's taking that 2.15 to 4.3 for a lot of uh, goods, but basic goods in an attempt to measure uh, to measure the impact on consumer prices or limit the impact, he's taking the basic goods rate from 2.15 to 2.6. I can't even imagine how he's going to do this. I mean, I, that's this is a it's it's amazing to me that you can just make this decree. I mean, he's not increasing the amount of uh, money. He's calling some things worth more. Price fixing, I guess, is what he's doing. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it's. Uh, this, According to Caracas Mayor Antonio Ledzima, he says by establishing the exchange rate at 4.3 bolivars per dollar, the quality of life for Venezuelans is automatically devalued since we now have half the money we had before. I mean, he's literally taking half of their buying power away in one fell swoop. And it doesn't make it clear whether or not um, actually inflating the money supply is uh, is a factor here. I'm not exactly sure uh, how. You think it would have to be. To you actually think. undercut the value of the currency would have to be something tangible, not just waving the magic wand or the gun around and saying it shall be done. Opponents were quick to criticize the socialist who a year ago promised the global financial crisis would not touch a hair of Venezuela's economy. He announced the devaluation on Friday night during an important baseball game. They, uh, the devaluation is embarrassing for Chavez, who resisted calls from economists and many government allies to make the move last year when oil prices were at their lowest and elections a long way off. Uh, holders of Venezuela's foreign debt are pleased since the devaluation improves government finances and lessens the need to issue more bonds. However, Chavez risks taking a blow to his popularity ratings, which are about 50%, as prices for many products inevitably... 50%? Man, that's amazing, great. isn't it? will rise in the country of 28 million people, which relies on imports for much of its consumption. The finance minister says, this is weird. Okay, here you go. Minister Ali Rodriguez said the devaluation will add 3% to 5% to inflation. So how does that work exactly? It's, it's It seems to just have something to do with uh, setting prices uh, based on, he's just saying that, Okay, well, now the Bolivar is worth half of what it was worth compared to the American dollar as of now, basically, is what he's saying. It's not uncommon with currencies, especially South American currencies, to be tied to the dollar um, in that manner, but, uh, you know, so essentially, um, uh, you know, they're they're calling a Bolivar a quarter. Um, You know, this is what the exchange rate is, but for the life of me, I don't know how they do it. According to the story here at Reuters... Uh, the new two, two-tiered exchange system offers the $2.6 rate for goods deemed essential, including food, medicine, and industrial machinery. Other products, because, you know, uh, Hugo Chavez knows what's ex- uh, essential, so he's just going to wait, deem... So, wait, so, so different product categories have different exchange rates for the currency? Correct, which is that's, why inflating the currency doesn't make sense, right? That's because they've crazy. got different categories. So other products, including cars and telephones, will be imported at the higher 4.3 rate. Economist Pavel Gomez of the economic school or of an economic school said the new system will increase opportunities for graft in a country that is already riddled with corruption. Multiple exchange schemes are incentives for corruption, more so if they're applied in the Venezuela way, he says. Those who have good contacts can buy at 
and sell at 4.3. Oh, God. Chavez, that all makes sense now. Yep. Chavez, whose popularity usually rises in correlation with public spending, also said on Friday that the central bank had transferred $7 billion of foreign reserves to a development fund used to finance investment projects. So he is uh, quite the madman, but it's not over. Bloomberg reporting that Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez said that businesses have no reason the next day, by the way, this this, this story came from, uh, have no reason to raise prices following the devaluation of the boulevard and that the government will, in fact, seize any entity that boosts its prices. Now, at this point, he's pretty much seized everything of value in Venezuela as far as the big industries. Yeah. And I'm sure the government is is quickly on its way into driving them into the ground as far as they possibly can <laughs> as they suck whatever wealth um, that industry uh, you know has for the for those that those that are connected and um, you know thereby they won't be able to supply the the poor people with anything. So uh, it it should be interesting. Chavez says he'll create an anti-speculation committee to monitor prices after private businesses said that prices would double and consumers rushed to buy household appliances and televisions. The government is the, he said, the government is the, on, is the only authority able to dictate price increases. The bourgeois are already talking about how all prices are going to double and they're closing their businesses to raise prices. Chavez said in comments on state television during his weekly Allo Presidente program, people don't let them rob you, denounce it, and I'm capable of taking over that business. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the business is robbing the people, the, according to him. They're, they're not even hiding the overt communism anymore. The toll-free not well, oh, no. he is a socialist. <laughs> 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. Josh. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us, including the bulletin board system, over 500,000 posts for you to surf around through. Lots of stuff to talk about there. Over at bbs.freetalklive.com, you'll find everything from intelligent to asinine conversations at the BBS, bbs.freetalklive.com. And what if you found out that the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to the same place in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? Well, it's happening, and you can be a part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. And I imagine if you're in Venezuela right now, you are thinking the Free State Project might not be such a bad idea because the madman who's running the, the government over there, Hugo Chavez, has basically devalued the currency by 50%. He And he's also setting up a two-tiered system. So the currency hasn't devalued in all product categories. It has gone from 2.15 per dollar to 4.3 in many categories, in a lot of imported goods, for instance. 
and only from 2.15 to 2.6 in basic goods, uh, the, you know, kind of the goods that uh, food and, and things like that. So as some of the experts are pointing out here, that essentially means that corruption will increase as people who know the right people will be able to buy their products at the 2.6 rate and then turn around and sell them at the 4.3 rate. Uh, Chavez himself is saying that if businesses are caught raising prices in response to the fact that, well, things are going to cost more, uh, he's going to seize their business. Is that his rationale? I mean, is that why he's just how he's able to justify this to people who saying, if I cut the value of the currency in half, therefore, uh, all the products and services that you're looking for will cost less. Well, just trying to, I don't know what he's I think trying he's, to say. I think he's saying that it won't affect you. It'll just uh, it'll just bring more money into the the country um, to the to, to the sort of average person. But really, what this is doing is it, it's taking those businesses on the periphery, which I would suspect are owned by lower class, middle class, lower middle class people, mm-hmm. and it's killing them. And then what it's going to leave are the businesses that are well-funded that can afford to raise their prices slowly over time, uh, you know, slowly enough that you it mean doesn't... state-owned businesses. Well, I think that it will result in some of those, but you know, sort of the rich people will, um, their businesses will continue and the poor people's will die. The insanity continues, though. Uh, rolling blackouts of up to four hours a day began in the capital and other parts of the country on Wednesday, that's today, as President Hugo Chavez urged Venezuelans to accept the cutbacks and liken them to a national energy diet. The, go- <laughs> <laughs> the government says rationing is necessary to prevent a widespread power collapse if the water levels behind Guri Dam, which supplies most of Venezuela's electricity, fall to critical lows in the coming months due to a severe drought. Officials also acknowledge that some gas and oil-fueled thermoelectric plants are now producing below capacity while undergoing repairs. Some Caracas residents grumbled about morning power outages. This is the worst, said Joanna Machado, a 30-year-old cashier at a bakery delicatessen. With no electricity to power the coffee maker or the scale used to weigh cold cuts, Machado says sales were suffering. Critics blame Chavez's government for the shortage, saying it has failed to complete enough power upgrades to keep with, to keep up with increasing demand. Yes, obviously that's what the problem is, because when you put the government in charge of something, it will fail at it. And when you put the government in charge of critical infrastructure, there's a good chance they're going to botch it up. No. So when you see stories like uh, Atlanta having a drought and you know having to put in wa- water rationing or California having rolling blackouts or in this case actual scheduled blackouts uh, <laughs> during the day this is a country that <laughs> exports oil it's right it's because <laughs> the, it's the government running this uh, this utility it's not as if they were uh, elected by the people to do this. They seem seemingly just seized control of these industries. Well, I, I think that, you know, to some extent, this is a leftover, um, an artifact of colonialism because uh, you know so many people so so uh, so few rich people owned so much in Venezuela that and and the poor people were essentially their serfs or slaves now it's kind of payback is 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 fair play kind of thing is the way they're seeing it so it's it's going the other direction however socialism doesn't work it doesn't work if you're poor it doesn't work if you're rich it doesn't work if you're anything but god um and and you're and he's and and I'm sorry Hugo Chavez is not so 
you know, the, the poor people are using the government to steal things from the sort of the rich or whatever. But I suspect the rich have already cashed in their chips as best they can, and they've hightailed it out of there. Right, the thing I've noticed is that when socialists talk about the people, the people is always everybody but you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I was, I was wondering to myself, I was reading this story, I'm thinking, hmm, so they've got scheduled blackouts of up to four hours a day. What what do you think? Do you think Hugo Chavez's office is going to be subject to those blackouts? No, if they are, it'll be at 2 a.m. Yeah, I have a feeling that uh, that he's going to be exempt in there. Of course he is. You know, he's doing state, important work. Right. The state is a critical uh, sector of the economy, and we can't just have the state agents being without power. Chavez denied the critics' claims that uh, it was the government's fault for the shortage saying the drought is the primary cause of the problem and rationing is necessary to extend the dam's capacity to feed the electrical grid. Rains are expected to return at the end of the traditional dry season this May. So you guys get to have four-hour rolling blackouts from now until we decide to, to bring the power back. As though it's, oh, well, you know, it's just nature. You know, we, we can't help that there's a drought. Well, yeah, you could. If you were a private industry, you'd have backup plans. You'd have alternate sources to, uh, to generate that right. power. And innovation. And this is the right. thing. Um, is Venezuela's population going up or down? I, I suspect it's going up. If you're you're talking about the level of poverty that I imagine is is going on in Venezuela, and I can't say I'm a foreign policy expert uh, specializing in Venezuela, I'm not going to claim that. I'm just guessing that its population is continuing to rise over time. And you're putting the government in charge of innovation in the area of industry. I mean, <laughs> when does government innovate? They're not innovative. They're they're never no. going to be they're never going to be able to uh, keep up with sort of increased demand for electricity over time because there's going to be more and more people think they're going to need more and more electricity. No, they'll just they will just draft up a plan and decide for you what appliances you should use, what current they're going to draw, yep. and how much you're going to be able to get. I'm sorry, your energy put footprint is too high. Hmm. You may not read at night any longer. Toll-free number here, if you want to comment, is 800-259-9231. Chavez, who remains the country's most popular politician, vowed in a televised speech to show his opponents he still has the edge. He dared opponents to gather signatures for a recall referendum similar to the one he survived in 2004. Are you saying, aren't you saying that Chavez is finished, that nobody likes me? Well, show it, he said. Opposition leaders announced plans for a protest march later this month against the blackouts and 25% inflation, which is now expected to go higher due to the devaluation. Well, duh. 25% inflation. Now, El Nacional newspaper, which is strongly critical of Chavez, ran a front-page headline Wednesday likening the blackouts to Cuba's special period, a reference to food, fuel, and power scarcities after the collapse of the Soviet Union brought the island's economy to its knees. Some business leaders also expressed concern. There's more to the story here a little bit. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. Ah, it's the people's workers' paradise of Venezuela. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher-quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, if it's working, which is not right now. So, great time for the web server to crash. You right plug the, the website when it's down? The live show. So, if you're listening on the internet, it's probably through our webcams. The webcams are still live and functioning. At cam.freetalklive.com? Mm, that won't no. work. You'll have oh, to God. go to ustream.tv and search for Liberty Radio Network to pull up our... Our stream. What a nightmare. Yeah. Get this fixed. Uh, well, I, I can't do anything. I can uh, only uh, contact the uh, server company and hope they get it fixed. So, uh, we haven't figured out what's wrong yet, but we'll keep doing our show because that's what we do here. 800-259-9231. Phone lines are working. We'll take your calls about absolutely anything. We're talking about Venezuela and just the uh, the socialist paradise that it is down there where Hugo Chavez can wave his magic wand and set uh, the currency rates. He can just devalue the currency on a whim. Uh, He can decide to cut people out of getting power in the mornings. Uh, They have scheduled blackouts now because, well, the government is inept, just like all governments are inept, and it can't handle the demand that people are placing on it for power consumption. What blows my mind is there is a mountain of empirical evidence and this obviously as well, that socialism amounts to nothing more than a trickle-up poverty that eventually floods everybody out. It's a high, a high watermark that nobody can really survive unless they already have a life raft of extreme wealth. Yet the power. man has a 50% approval rating. Well, it's institutionalized theft. What and does that mean? One in two people don't hate him. If if you look at if you look at theft, um, people are willing to do it, especially if there's no penalty to them, and that's what that's what the institutionalized theft means. There's no penalty to the average person, so they don't really care if the long term result is bad stuff, as long as the short term um, result is I get more things. And in the case of probably the very poor people in Venezuela, you know, things mean my family gets to eat better, or I get to have electricity, things that you and I would take take for granted shoes yeah uh, you know that kind of stuff so i you know i this is uh, this is the result of colonialism from centuries past and this is uh, you know this is the kind of pendulum swing that you can expect when you use force to get what you want when you threaten people with the the, the, the you know the the gun of government this is the kind of pendulum swing you'll get and we can expect this pendulum to swing again and again the united states government currently uses the the guns of government to try to control Control the world. Well, what do you think the world's going to do the United States in in decades uh, pro- from now? It's not going to be good. It's, here, here's your example, people. Take a look. Business leaders also expressed concern. Noel Alvarez, president of the country's largest business chamber, said the outages will worsen the recession. These are the power outages. Venezuela's economy declined 2.9 percent last year, in part due to, uh, due to lower prices for the country's oil and reduced oil output. As outages began in Caracas, some parts of the capital lost power from midnight to 4 a.m. and others from 8 a.m. to noon. Other parts of the city will have afternoon outages. Now, you, you got to, I mean, what are they, the power's going out at uh, midnight to 4 a.m.? Yeah. I mean, what's the point of that? This supposedly to reduce the demand on the, the system. But the system uh, would have its high, its peak demand during the day, so that would be the best. Time. When they do brownouts, that's what they do. The, yeah. um, you know, they generally will cut power to homes and that kind of the residential grid in order to feed the commercial grid during the day. Well, like you said, maybe the four midnight to four a.m. is the government sector. Who knows if they're even cutting the government hours? It's not making that clear in the story. 
Venezuela's professional baseball league said night games begin an hour earlier to help fans arrive home before midnight outages. As government has said, it won't cut power to sports stadiums. <laughs> of course not. You, got, you have to keep people occupied. The bread, bread and, and circuses. circuses. Uh, oh, they won't also cut uh, power to subways or hospitals. Government also recently reduced the hours of electricity supply for shopping centers and required businesses and large residential complexes to cut energy use by 20% or face fines. So does that mean they're going to come in and they're going to audit people's power bills? They're going to actually take a look at a, at a shopping mall and say, oh, you haven't you haven't cut your power bill. Well, they probably will do such a thing. And um, what that means is that it's going to be done arbitrarily in the same way that uh, that IRS audits are done arbitrarily. They'll sort of randomize it and target the bigger the the bigger consumers um, and, and they'll go after them. And, you know, it'll sometimes you'll win and sometimes you'll lose. Or bully, well, actually, you always lose. Or bully everybody into self-regulating and filling out the paperwork and saying, "See, I've cut my I've cut my usage 25 percent this month." Here's uh, the, just the last line is real sweet. Chavez has reduced the workday of many government employees, setting new hours from. Go ahead. Three to five p.m. <laughs> I have no idea. Eight to one. Eight eight to eight a.m. to one p.m. Fewer hours. Five hour workday. Fewer hours and no pay cut. Right? No, I don't. I didn't mention anything about a pay cut. <laughs> I mean, what what government workers are hourly? I guess there are some of them, but uh, many of them are on salary. It's right? just it's just support for the the, the the bureaucrat class. It's it's amazing, yeah. amazing, and and people don't see it. They don't see that. Well, all you're doing is, it take? is you're taking from the haves and giving to the government, so they become the haves. Listen, it's just a job, Mark. <laughs> What does it take for people to see this, though? I mean, how I much know. how much economic destruction does a society have to go through until they finally realize what the cause of it is? Because Chavez and the people like him are very, very good at pushing it off on somebody else. Oh, it's not our fault. It's those businessmen over there. Hey, you greedy businessmen, don't you raise prices after we've devalued the currency? Or we'll seize your business. See, these people are trying to rob you, citizens. These businessmen are evil. We wouldn't rob you. We're your government. We love you. Now give up your tax money. That's yeah. the pendulum swing, though. Businesses have used, uh, you know, government in the in the past in order to get what they want, and that's the pendulum not swing. All businesses back. have, though. I mean, they're all going to suffer regardless of whether they use the state. Indeed, or not. it's not the it's not the individual, but it's still the pendulum swing. Let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Joe is in Ohio, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Joe. How do you think they tried to use churches and past as a front to make people feel guilty about that? Feel guilty about what? They, I think pastors and churches try to sometimes make people feel guilty for not being part of that program to cut back. Oh, uh, okay. So you're Either saying the, the state would make use people in their churches feel guilty? Gotcha. Uh, certainly, there are people uh, in this country that the churches will take uh, political positions, and uh, they're restricted from doing that by the IRS. And so, there's some level of control well, over the Catholic Church. Here. The Catholic Church just came out saying that they say, you know, that, that they're basically supporting the global warming agenda thing from the UN, which is really interesting. I mean, basically, I guess what they're saying is that God, God is not omniscient and not um, all, uh, omnipotent. If the world that he created can somehow be ruined by man. But um, that being beside the point, they, they came out and did this, the same sort of thing. They cut back on their services and cut back on their various services during the week and everything. Oh, man. So what, what do you think, uh, if you went to a church, what would you say about that? 
Which church? I mean, you if don't, you went to one, but well, you go uh, to one. The, the the problem That's with uh, with uh, with churches in general, as my my opinion is, is you don't get to say anything. The preacher stands up there, he tells everybody what it is that's right and wrong, mm. and uh, you shut up and you sit in the pew, pew. You can decide whether you like it or not. You can decide whether to give money or not, but you don't really get to decide whether what um to, you don't get to confront what he says. You might be able to come up and say something to him afterwards, afterwards but uh, that's the reason I go to Quaker meeting is. You know, there is no preacher, there is no top-down hierarchy, and, and you know it's not that way at all. So you like to discuss right? things there that matter to everybody. Yeah, uh, you can. Those meetings. You, you speak. You speak as the spirit moves you in a Quaker meeting. But I mean, you're also allowed to discuss things that really you think that matters to people that can make a difference with. I think it depends on the. Uh, it depends on the meeting. At our meeting, we we talk about uh, you know issues like that. Well, there's two segments to the meetings, uh, the Quaker meetings that I've been to. There's the one where it's mostly silence, and then uh, it's broken occasionally by, as you're saying, the people that meeting uh, for worship have, is what have felt uh, moved uh, to speak. And then after that more silent portion, there's just more of a discussion phase. Yeah. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. But there are some what they call programmed Quaker meetings. Yes, I guess they don't happen that much in the Northeast. But where there is a More preacher yeah. and they, you know, they sit and they listen to him. Mm-hmm. 800-259-9231. I would not care to go to, uh, to a meeting like that. More coming up here. You can bring up anything. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free when it's working, which is not right now. So... Make a note and try freetalklive.com some other time. Stop promoing the website. Well, many people will be listening to this when it is working. Okay. Many people, but not most people. I don't know about that. Most people are listening on the radio. That's true. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. Create your very own website with their free web builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL as in Free Talk Live, and sign up for HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business site, it's HostGator.com, code FTL. Does HostGator host our site? It does not. Oh, well. Uh, Aren't they number one in uh, sites? They are number one, absolutely. I actually looked at at them, and I I have to look a little closer. I don't think they offer the dedicated servers that we need for a site that's as big as ours is. Uh, if you're just going to run a you know like a, a smaller site, a blog site or something like that, I think HostGator is perfect for it. This might give you a good reason to check. Yeah, I, I'll check again. Uh, toll-free is 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. Josh, you're going to tell us about, uh, let's see, you've got a, a, the Doomsday Clock. What is the Doomsday Clock? Well, the Doomsday Clock is uh, a symbol. It's uh, the Earth with a uh, minute hand and an hour hand. And it symbolizes man mankind's uh, approach to uh, absolute atomic holocaust, represented by the midnight hour. And they know this how? Uh, it's, it's just artwork, right? It, yeah, it's just artwork. It's it's just a, it's symbolic. It's I can only see meant to keep people afraid. Ah, art based on fear. Excellent. Anyway. Okay. Well, uh, the Doomsday Clock is going to be moved by the world's top scientists tomorrow, a little bit closer to midnight. 
the minute hand of the famous doomsday clock will be moved at 3 p.m. tomorrow afternoon for the first time in two years. The timepiece in New York conveys how close humanity is to the catastrophic destruction, which is represented by midnight. It was created uh, by the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists in 1947, two years after the United States dropped the first atomic bombs on Japan. Uh, it was originally set at seven minutes to midnight. The clock has been altered 18 times since then by the Bulletin Scientific Board. This now includes Professor Stephen Hawking and 18 other Nobel laureates. The latest recorded time was two minutes to midnight in 1953 as the Cold War heated up between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. So how are we doing now? Five uh, minutes till, is that right? Mm, in 2007, it was wound on to five minutes to midnight, which is going a little bit back. I guess tensions went down. Uh, I reflect the failure to solve problems posed by nuclear weapons. Today, the public could watch the change for the first time via a live web feed. <laughs> a spokesman said that factors, wow, that influencing, <laughs> and that factors influencing the latest doomsday clock change include international negotiations on nuclear disarmament and non-proliferation, expansion of civilian nuclear power, the possibilities of nuclear terrorism, and climate change. So ah, basically, yes, change. it's a piece of art created by science types who will arbitrarily decide how close they think the world is to complete destruction. Correct. There's no consensus in science. No, no, uh, obviously not, but <laughs> it is uh, apparently the consensus of the at- Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. Is that what they are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Bulletin? What, was, yes. what is that, a newsletter, or is it a group of people? <laughs> I don't know. It's a silly-looking thing. I'm actually looking at a picture of it here. It's just, It's just got little dots on it. It's not even... Mm-hmm. Very it, detailed. It doesn't even have like a three full 60, uh, 360 degrees of motion. It's the last quarter right, the la- <laughs> of the clock. So apparently since it's been created, we've been we're we're always a quarter of our minutes. lifespan. We're, we're always 15 minutes to uh, the uh, the brink of destruction. There's no, the yeah, there's no, there's no option <laughs> less than 15 minutes from, the, the, from destruction. Right. You can't get back to 11 o'clock. Well, so, so this is the fear-based mentality, right? I mean, what, what's the point of this? What, what, what is... What's the motivation here? I guess to uh, to to spur the average person into uh, to you know having some control in their government to stop this. The ma- the masses like symbols. Um, let me draw a corollary with the New Year's Eve ball for a minute. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm curious how many people actually watched on television during their own personal New Year's Eve celebration, no matter where they were in the world, the ball dropping in Times Square. It was on the television where I was, which was with hanging out with you guys. Yes, exactly. And that was streaming from the internet. So that's something I didn't really, watch it, though. This something really has nothing to do with your specific location or your frame of reality, but it's become so ingrained in the idea of New Year's that people are, are drawn to it and uh, respect it. I think the uh, Doomsday Clock is just like that. For some reason, people might be more apt to heed warnings on nuclear um, arms if the the hand moves, don't ask me why. Yeah, I mean, I guess, it, it, I guess it doesn't hurt to start a conversation. I mean, if that's what it can do, if it can uh, help people talk about nuclear proliferation and things like that, and how awful it was for the U.S. to uh, to bomb people back in the 1940s, I, I think that uh, that could be useful, I suppose. But there's not really much that little people like us can do about nuclear weapons right i mean you can't elect republicans and democrats to get rid of them can you I, I, that's that's clearly not happening I mean, obama got elected on an anti-war position and i saw a story in the news today about how he's got a 708 billion dollar uh 
I guess, defense plan for 2010 or something like that, I mean, like a record-setting. Uh, Barack Obama is about ready to set a record for the amount of money spent on, and they use the term defense, but we know what it all means. It's offense. offense it's yeah. the, mm-hmm. the military. So spending essentially over $700 billion on wars. Well, here's the thing. You can't legislate away or ban knowledge. Atomic energy and its use in, in weapons manufacture is knowledge now. Yeah. You can, I, you can never trust the world never to use it for that end. So I kind of see nuclear deterrence as uh, inevitable. Stockpiles are never going to go down. Probably true. Although it certainly, I think that's certainly something worth working toward. Not that I agree. Not, not that I disagree with you. I think that you're right. I mean, clearly, as long as governments exist, they will have incentives to build the most destructive, horrific, uh, awful weapons they possibly can. And so, wouldn't it be possible theoretically, though? I mean, what what would happen if the the U.S. federal government just decided to crash and burn someday? I mean, for economic factors, uh, it just and the end times come for the the federal government. What happens then to the the nuclear stockpile? Well, I think a lot of them are aging, um, you know, greatly and and probably not as as useful. But you know, it's it's not good. It's it's sort of what happened when in Russia, right? Where did they go? Did they go somewhere? Yes, they did. They I disappeared? Mean, yeah, they went on the black market. They are supposedly um, have gone out on the black market, but I always question that because you would think uh, the, the free market is a little more efficient than government. You'd think that they would have used the nuclear weapons. It hasn't happened. They, it hasn't happened, right. no. So, I mean, not something you can use covertly, that's for sure. Right. There's those, uh, you know, the, 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 the suitcase nuke threat, and you would think that they would have gotten into the hands of some people that uh, – you know, would would have used them, but then again, the person selling it might have said, you know, it could get used in where my family lives, and I don't want to do it. I I don't have any idea. After seeing the destruction that they've caused, I mean, uh, the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs were nothing compared to to the hydrogen bombs that we have now, and using them or threatening to use them seems to be more just a bluff. There's no net gain. For reducing something to millions of years of radioactive dust, I'm not going to bluff them. You know, I, I, I'm not going to play uh, poker with guys that have oh, no. those things. There are lunatics that would probably do it. But yes. No. And some of them work for Any the rational government. person trying to gain something, you wouldn't nuke a city that you're trying to, to bilk for resources. Right. No, but – You um, wouldn't nuke the slaves you're trying to take. Right. Well, if you – think about it like a poker game. A rational person likely wouldn't play a poker game at all. Um, you know, because the, there's the, the the chance of losing or whatever, unless they believe that they were going to win. Um, and so, therefore, the, you know, there's sort of this this gamble to it. I guess poker's not a good example because mostly the money has to go somewhere. But, um, you know, when it, when it comes to the, the government people, you know, they, they may very well just be bluffing themselves. They can do whatever they want. What do they care? The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. So nuclear proliferation, generally a bad thing, but it doesn't look like anything is going to change, regardless of what the folks with the doomsday clock, uh, how much noise they make about, we're adding a minute, we're taking away a minute to our doomsday clock. I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't stop them from, from doing their little art project. But that's that's all it really seems to me. Performance art. Right. That's all it really seems uh, like to me. In fact, speaking of performance art, uh, Josh, you have another story in relation to performance art, but a little more directly obvious uh, performance art. And we can get into that here in a few moments. Apparently, the Obama mania continues overseas. Overseas. Uh, Well, maybe it'll come here. Uh, They're putting together a play, a musical, correct? It's called Hope. 
Okay, we'll find out what that's all about here. And, of course, take your calls about anything you want at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. Also, found out who is exempt from the new government health care program that is being proposed. We'll reveal that in moments. And you can take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. Hour 2 is coming up. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves as we launch here into the second hour of the program. Bring up anything at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com right now, though, our server is down. So if you want to uh, see anything of ours, you can go to facebook.freetalklive.com. There's a link there right at the top to our Ustream channel. That is the only way you can get us uh, streaming on the Internet at the moment is via our webcam. All right, so we're going to continue here uh, with whatever you want to talk about if you make the calls. Otherwise, we'll talk about the new health care plan that they are looking at shoving down people's throats and I noticed that in some of the news stories about this government health care proposal, I guess, you know, the, the forcing everyone to get health insurance, that proposal. Sounds like a mandate to me. Uh, yeah. Didn't you sell Obama the musical? Yes, I did. I sold them both. Okay. Uh, so we'll get to Obama the musical here, but let's talk about the health care thing. Anyway, in the news stories about this health care proposal, uh, they had always said that most Americans will be required to have health insurance. And I just always asked myself, well, what does that mean? What, Which who, Americans wouldn't be? Who are the exceptions? And according to the WatertownDailyTimes.com, the Times-Washington correspondent says that federal health care reform will require most northern New Yorkers, but not all, it turns out, to carry health insurance or risk a fine. Hundreds of Amish families in the region are likely to be free from that requirement, The Amish, as well as some other religious sects, are covered by a religious conscience exemption, which allows people with religious objections to insurance to opt out of the mandate. Now, I guess that means if you have a religious uh, exception to insurance, does that mean you also cannot have car insurance? 
I, I look. I don't. I couldn't tell you. Why? Why would you even offer that question? I have no idea. It's in both the House and Senate versions of the bill, making its appearance in the final version routine, unless there are last-minute objections. Although the Amish consist of several branches, some more conservative than others, they generally rely upon a community ethic that disdains government assistance. <laughs> those those bastards! How dare they be so unsociable uh, like that? Families rely on one another, and communities pitch in to help neighbors pay health care expenses. <laughs> so basically what they're admitting there is that the Amish are a wonderful example of how it is that government is completely unnecessary to help one another out. That coercion and force and extracting money from people uh, by the threat of violence is completely unnecessary in order to help one's neighbors out when they're in times of trouble. Right. You can voluntarily b- belong to an organization which will help you with these issues. Like a mutual you, aid society. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what it is, is a mutual aid society. The Amish population has been growing in uh, the north country of New York. State ranks sixth nationally in Amish population and posted the biggest net increase in Amish households, 307 from 2002 to 2007, according to a study. Lawmakers reportedly included the provision at the urging of Amish constituents, although the legislation doesn't specify that community and the uh, and the provision could apply to other groups as well, including Old Order Mennonites and perhaps Christian scientists. What about the Quakers, though? That's what I want to know. What about the Quakers? Um, I, I, <laughs> the Quakers probably aren't lobbying uh, for this. They uh, Likely, as a matter of fact, I've met Quakers that are lobbying for this. Oh, is that right? Right. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but... They're the, so confused. The Quaker church to, 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 you know, the Quaker meeting, uh, to a large extent, is populated by socialists. They, well, are, they are so confused. The Quakers are supposed to be anti-violence, aren't they? Yes. So... It's just a matter of showing them the gun in the room. Shouldn't it be that simple to to show them that that what they're supporting here is, in fact, violence? I haven't uh, been entirely successful with that. Hmm. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Let's see here. The professor and lawyer at a university in New York complained last summer that exempting groups for religious reasons could have run afoul of the Constitution. According to them, they wrote at findlaw.com, if the government can tolerate a religious exemption, then it must do so even-handedly among religious believers with the same beliefs. This is sheer favoritism for a certain class of religions or even for one religion. In her column, Ms. Hamilton speculated that lobbyists for the Christian Science Church were responsible for the provision, given their public stance that health care reform bills around the country should include religious exemptions. Can you believe this person? You know, well, you, your religion can't exempt you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, what she's saying is that if they're going to give religious exemptions to some religion, then they should give them to all religions. I agree with that. I, I you know, I'll sure I'll make up religion if it requires, you know, can get me out of the government health care program. In an email message, she said she was unaware of the Amish interest in the bill and that their objections to the mandate surprised her because Amish do buy vehicle insurance, for instance. So there's that answer. Ms. Hamilton said the exemption could harm the health of children whose families avoid medical care for religious reasons, although the Amish objections relate more to insurance than to medical care itself. Congressional aides have said the exemption is based on a carve-out the Amish have had from Social Security and even Medicare taxes since the 1960s. Yes, they have. They, they do have exemptions there. Whether Amish businesses, however, would fall under the bill's mandates is still an open question. So there you go. Amish people will be exempted from the new federal government health care uh, mandates. Likely.
That's the way it looks. Yes, uh, it's, the it's provision is in there. Right. And and uh, if you think that you're going to declare yourself Amish um, and and get out of it, you're you're wrong. Why not? Because that lo- the Amish have a lobbying group. Uh, remember a so? good a good friend of mine is well <laughs> a good friend of mine is Amish and or ethnically Amish, and he's very aware because when he stopped being religiously Amish, he had to sign papers to be out of the church. Um, as and why this, why. Because Were the Amish going to force him to sign the papers? Likely it was a scare tactic or something. I mean, when you, you know, all he wanted was out of the church, man. Yeah, so they said, I here, mean, sign here not, and you'll be done. It's not like he knew all these these little the rules or whatever. Right. Um, he just wanted out of the church. He was tired of the course of, uh, you know, situation that he, that he was in and he d- didn't like it and he wanted out. So he signed out. And if if the Amish lobbying group doesn't recognize your Amish group as Amish, your Amish group isn't Amish. So there's actually a registry of Amish people yes. out there? Yes. So oh. you actually have to be on the list in order to be Amish? Indeed. I didn't know it was an exclusive club. My question is, uh, how long do you think this is going to last when they start throwing people in jail for not having insurance? My guess is not very long. How long uh, what will last? Uh, uh, you said this. When, when you say this. Oh, the, uh, the health care mandate. Well, I don't know if they're going to throw somebody in jail. Uh, it's more likely that what they're going to do is garnish their wages. What if you don't have any wages? Well, it's very unlikely they'll probably be catching you at that point, I would think. I don't know how they would go about doing that. Because if you aren't uh, reporting to the IRS, it's going to be the IRS that is tasked with handling this. If you're not reporting uh, income to the IRS, then they you're pretty much off their radar. I mean, you've got bigger problems at that point. If the IRS decides to come after you, the the least of your concerns is going to be that you haven't been paying into the health care uh, insurance program. Oh, I'm just saying all these all these people that are passively sitting on the sidelines and have no opinion on it or were upset to begin with, as soon as they throw that first person in jail because they don't have health insurance, uh, I think that's when things will really start to unravel. As far as unraveling, you mean that uh, if they actually put somebody in jail over not having health insurance, people will do what? Stop paying for the health insurance? Don't you think that'll scare more people into obedience? Isn't that the intention usually when they go after Wesley Snipes or or uh, or Willie Nelson or whoever for uh, for tax so-called tax evasion? Isn't the intention there to scare people? And don't you think that works? Well, there, there reaches a critical mass at some point where just. The reason for the tyranny just becomes so blatant and absurd that I would hope people just wouldn't take it anymore. Well, I think I agree with uh, with with the sort of what Josh is getting at here is the Democrats currently are paying a huge political price for jamming this health care reform down the throats of Americans. At this point, Americans don't even know what health care reform is. And I'll, I would venture to say most politicians don't know either just because there have been so many iterations mm-hmm. and um, we, we don't even know what it's going to look like because the House bill and the Senate bill are different. And I think that there will there will will be repercussions and there can be repercussions even if uh, what you're saying is you know the sort of the person by person cases that it's uh, you know it may not work out but I, I think that overall there are repercussions and it's probably going to even what they pass is going to be watered down past what they pass toll free numbers 800-259-9231 well you could make the point that uh, Americans are just generally more freedom oriented but on the other hand I don't know if they're that much more freedom-oriented than uh, Venezuelans, and they're putting up with a hell of a lot of garbage down there. More coming up here. You can bring up anything. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. 
HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. It's back! The website's back! Yay! freetalklive.com. Lots of features there when it's working, and it is now. Uh, Those features are completely free, so enjoy our chat room, for instance, over at chat.freetalklive.com. You can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners during the program. Uh, That's chat.freetalklive.com. If you're in college right now, stop and think. What are you going to do during the summertime? Are you going to be unemployed because, well, that's what most of America is? Or are you going to go to libertarianinternships.com and uh, check out the internships in public policy, journalism, production, you don't necessarily have to be in college for any of these things in order to try them out and see how they work for you. It's libertarianinternships.com, and they have internships in all areas of uh, public policy, journalism, and, and production, whether that's TV or uh, audio or whatever. Go check it out at libertarianinternships.com. You have to sign up for an account over there in order to get the full information. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Josh, you've got another story here tonight, Uh, this one about an Obama musical? Yeah, it's just uh, something a little more lighthearted. This is uh, from the Associated Press, and it's in Berlin, Germany. A musical about Barack Obama's Yes We Can election campaign premieres in Germany this weekend, including love songs by the president to his wife Michelle and duets with Hillary Clinton. Even John McCain and Sarah Palin are given stage time, with actors portraying the losing Republican candidates and belting out songs on their behalf. In all, 30 singers, actors, and dancers are to perform in the musical, Hope, the Obama musical story, when it opens at the uh, Jahrhunderthal Concert Hall in Frankfurt in a bilingual mix of English and German. The audience may recognize that many songs quote from the politician's stump speeches during the 2008 U.S. presidential campaign. You know, I, I I kind of wonder um, here because the the idea behind this is that the the Obama campaign was somehow groundbreaking, and I you know I I don't know whether I'm entirely on board with that. I mean, a Democrat was gonna win, right? Uh, I would say that Obama was is probably a very good uh, orator. And and that's important in politics, but I don't know if I'm gonna. I, I don't know if I th- even think he's as good of an orator as they like to compare him to uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's on that level. Um, he, you know, what was his competition? Edwards, uh, you know, from the failure of the the vice presidential failure from 2000, Hillary Clinton. Um, I, and I felt like she was a a player. Obviously, she was a player. He he managed to beat those people out, but. He wasn't even that close in the the main presidential election, the general election. It wasn't even it was I mean, it was relatively close. It wasn't even a a runaway victory. He got me at the beginning. The thing was, Mm. it was it was comforting to me at first to see somebody who seemingly spoke from the heart that wasn't reading from a teleprompter, which I now know is bull. He's just a very good reader Mm. of a teleprompter. It seemed like they were speaking with some conviction mm-hmm. that it wasn't just coming in through their ear and being spouted out. 
but uh, you know, I, I, I get where you're coming from, and maybe he got more, um, you know, young people involved. But you know, it's it's not like it was. If compare it to say. Ronald Reagan, who uh, took every single state, took 49 states out of out of 50, in I think it was 1980 um, that that he ran. You know, if you compare it to that, and it, it's really it's comparatively, he didn't do that well. It wasn't a runaway in the same way that say Reagan was, and and you know, I just sort of. Why, why are they making such a big deal out of this guy? Was he, Yes, he's the first Afri- self-identified African-American to win the presidential um, election, but I, I don't I, – that's it? I mean, that's the big deal? I'm going to posit that it's the same reason 30 million people tuned into the uh, premiere of the new season of American Idol. They like entertainment. <laughs> people like entertainment. They like someone that they can identify with. Yeah, I, I mean, I, what 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 we have here now is it used to be kind of shady when celebrities would become politicians, but now I'm seeing a reverse trend where it's the politicians are becoming celebritized. It, it, certainly, I mean, the, Barack you know, the, Obama has no business being on the cover of Men's Health. This pisses <laughs> me off. Um, he smokes cigarettes. <laughs> I know. I think he's he's trying to quit. Is it's, he trying to quit? Because you're not trying that hard, obviously. I, I don't know you're the You're the answer. president of the United States. You can't afford some laser, uh, laser treatments or uh, the, the cigarette shot. I don't I mean, know. There I are don't, some treatments out there that are pretty damned effective at helping you quit. I, I, I can't speak for Barack Obama. It's my understanding he was going to try to quit, and that's all I can say to that. Maybe he has. Maybe he hasn't. Do or do not. There is no but try. I don't trust even if he has, I don't really trust it when they say that he has, because I think that everyone around him will lie for him if he's sneaking cigs. But the, you know? the, the thing that really gets me about this musical is it says flat out it's not about like his the life in times and trials and tribulations of Barack H. Obama. It's strictly about the campaign. Mm. Yeah. Mostly about the campaign. Yeah. Well, it's so disturbing. historic about the campaign. <laughs> I, I, I guess I, I don't know. I mean, it's like a rock and roll tour. What is this? I, I just I, I, right. That's what it is. That's what it's like. That's what they want to play it up as. But I'm saying this rock and roll tour fizzled and it somebody had to win and he won, but he didn't win in the grand fashion that he could have won in. And um, that's what I think is. I mean, he was running against a grumpy old guy that didn't even represent what the Republicans believe. I mean, he's he's a he's an outsider Republican anyhow. So people, the the fact that he was able to pull states like he did really shows how Barack Obama didn't his his whole thing wasn't uh, you know a big deal. And I feel that his you know his color only showed that the, there was no glass ceiling at all because he was able to win. I think that yeah. uh, I think that if you would have had Colin Powell or somebody like that went, run, and granted, uh, you know he he used up a great deal of his political capital on the uh, the Bush administration. Uh, he's he's managed managed to paint it as though he was tricked. But if you had Colin Powell, he would have won every just about every state if he would have run. Oh, o- I don't know. Oprah could have been the first female and black president. You know, Oprah would have won if she just ran. It, it, it could, could very well have. Yeah. The thing that really gets me: why are foreigners so enamored with our politicians. He's a socialist too. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, are they that enamored with uh, with U.S. politicians? Uh, I mean, Barack does, Obama, they does are. Apparently, they gave him the Peace way? Prize. You know, I could I could understand. It's, it makes a little more sense. Back in 1940s Germany, 
with Dr. Goebbels and Lenny Reifenstahl with state-run propaganda films. Mm-hmm. But now you have, like, uh, pri- I don't know if this is state theater. I don't think it is. But private theater companies coming together and collaborating and writing propaganda. musicals. Yeah. Not so much propaganda, just... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It, it seems like propaganda yeah, to me. Cele- celebrations yeah. of leaders that aren't even their own. Of politicians. They're not leaders. Not my leaders. None of them. Well, supposed leaders. Yeah. Politicians get- that aren't even their own. Rep- supposedly right. representing a polity that's 3,000 miles away. Well, I can tell you this that uh, <laughs> these politicians that every uh, that, that, that this politician that everybody is extolling here um, has not managed to accomplish crapola in his first uh, you know year in office. And the fact is that the the Democrats are going to get their butts handed to them in in the 2010 election, and he's really a giant massive failure. Well, aren't they always? Yeah, uh, some are more failures I, than others. When I, I mean, say they, I mean presidents, North not Korea's, Democrats. Yeah. North Korea is this big threat to the civilized world, but you can't even keep the Olympics out of their hands. There's more coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free on the site, so uh, enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Our Facebook profile is available for you all the time, facebook.freetalklive.com. We had some uh, web difficulties tonight. In fact, some people may still be having difficulty getting through but we promise the server is up and uh, should be 100% here in a few moments. But Facebook's working all the time. Over at facebook.freetalklive.com, you can go there and become a fan at facebook.freetalklive.com. And you can check out the Low Country Liberty Report. He's a Ridleyographer from Savannah, Georgia, who focuses on pro-freedom issues from around the country. Liberty-oriented reports for liberty-minded folks. Uh, Taryn is his name, and he doesn't pretend to be unbiased in reporting and does try to add humor to his reports. Head over to lclreport.com to see his videos or join his group on Facebook or Twitter, lclreport.com. As we continue here, we'll take your phone calls about anything. John is on the line in New Hampshire on the amp line. Hello, John. Hi. How are you doing, here? Just super. What's on your mind tonight? Hello. All right, uh, so I was at uh, my town's budget committee meeting, and one of our uh, members was noticeably late. He is also a state rep and reported that the reason he was late is because he wanted to stay and vote on a measure to recommend an income tax in New Hampshire. Oh, good. And um, now, as people probably know, the legislature in New Hampshire, 400 members, is controlled by the Democrats. They found 79 people willing to come out in an election year and vote and recommend an income tax. 79 Democrats? uh, 79 people from the House, you mean? 79 people in the House said yes. Everyone else said hell no. And that was Democrats included. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, amazingly even Democrats. New Hampshire Hampshire, Democrats. Yeah, and New Hampshire Democrats are still too scared to vote for uh, an income tax in this, uh, you know, this year of the Democrat. Um, You know, I mean, if if there's a year to jam a big government program through, this is the one, and they still are too scared to do it. I don't know. One of our, our, uh, well, not not one of my reps, but... 
one of the Democratic reps from Keene, Chuck Weed, is really pushing for uh, a state income tax. Of course he is. And he's pushing for one on a, mun- on a municipal, a county, or state level. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't be, care. He, he just hasn't wants ruled tax. out all three of them simultaneously. Well, looks like he didn't push hard enough because uh, you're saying, John, that it uh, d- it was defeated overwhelmingly. Exactly. And, That's great. Uh, you know, I, one of the other uh, members of the budget committee is also a state rep. There's a lot of dual duty uh, between town management and state rep management, it seems. That's correct. He mentioned that uh, he is one of the longer-serving legislators, and only 11% of the 400 members of the House have been there for more than eight terms. And each term is only two years. Mm-hmm. So compare that for the rest of you living uh, around the country. You know, I moved from Massachusetts, and there were legislators there who had been serving longer than I'd been alive. Yep. And that's probably the case in many places where they pay legislators a lot of money. But it's right. It's a hundred. Is it two hundred? In New Hampshire, a hundred bucks a year. It's a hundred a year. Okay, I thought it was up to two hundred. Or is that just for the Senate? What does the Senate get paid in New Hampshire? Do you know? Yeah. One hundred a year. They get two hundred for their term, so they get one hundred the first year. Oh, okay. and if they do a good job, they get a hundred the next year. Gotcha. Hey, thanks for sharing that tonight. We got to let you go. Your phone's kind of iffy, but I appreciate it. At eight hundred two five nine. 9231, or maybe it's our phone that's kind of iffy. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, uh, good news there. And that, that means, you know, from what I understand of the New Hampshire political process, once the bill is uh, taken care of, it's done for for the year, right? Like, two years, yeah. For two years? Yeah. So the income tax couldn't come back for another two years is what you're saying. That's correct. And the good news about all this is that, well, we're here, Mark, you and I are here. Josh, he's a New Hampshire native, but uh, you and I made the move here from Florida three over three years ago as part of the Free State Project. And it's a movement of thousands of liberty-oriented people all converging under the same geographic location in order to get active uh, for liberty. And so as the years go by, more people are coming here. We've already had hundreds make the move here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. And over 9,800 are currently pledged to uh, to make the move. So there are many, many more, thousands more that are pledged to come here. The goal is to reach 20,000. We haven't quite made it to 10,000 yet, but we're getting there. Uh, in fact, I think we're less than 150 or so, maybe around 150 away from reaching the 10,000 mark, which is it's, great. Uh, 9,870. 9,870. That's cool. I so, think we've uh, actually made a good milestone. Uh, the political people and the state of New Hampshire uh, start throwing around free stater. What do you they, mean? They've basically, it's taken on a new definition of its own. It used to mean those who moved to New Hampshire from an outside location to invade or whatever they want to say. But uh, at my little trial last week, uh, after they took me away, apparently... Uh, the prosecutor made some comment that, oh, I'm a free stater, so it doesn't matter that I'm going to jail. As you pointed out, I've been, I've been here for a quarter century. <laughs> you know, that reminds me, we haven't even talked to you about that yet. You've been sitting here for uh, an, over an hour and a half, and we haven't even brought up the fact that you went to jail uh, all last week, basically because you refused to go along with the system as they were demanding money out of you. You had a situation involving one of your tags. I want to get I want to get into that here, but just to just to continue on the the income tax mm-hmm. uh, discussion. So. Income tax was shot down hardcore today here in New Hampshire with even many Democrats voting against the idea. And there are people on the radio, on local talk shows, pushing hard for yes, this. Yes, right. Everybody who's sort of a, a thinker or a talking head in, um, in New Hampshire says, 
Yes, we need an income tax. The government needs money. This, this will solve the problem. There are a lot of programs that need funding, and we need to get the. This is how we're going to do it. And th- they're not going for it. The, right. the average person in New Hampshire has a sort of live free or die mentality. Admittedly, it is not pure libertarian no. thought. <laughs> not by what we no might means. want. <laughs> but it, it, it's, this is fertile ground. They know grift when they see it or hear it Absolutely. or smell it. So they didn't get away with it this time. And so the point I'm making with all the, the free staters coming in here, the, uh, it's going to be even more difficult if they even bother trying in two more years. I mean, this is uh, it's, it's 2010. It's an election year here in New Hampshire, as uh, John pointed out. And that means that a lot of free staters, liberty uh, activists, are going to be running for uh, for political office here. They'll likely be more successful this Some year than they've win. been in years past. Right. Some and already have one in past years. And they don't have to even be free staters. Staters, just um, you know, what we've, uh, what I think that the Free State Project's been most helpful for at, up to this point is bolstering the already uh, sort of uh, freedom-oriented yes. uh, folks. There are 23 people in the state house, and the state house really is the battleground. There's 400 seats. There's 23 of them are people that get A pluses from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. A pluses. These are real, tried and true libertarians. They may not have a libertarian name behind them. They don't have an L. They have an R or a D or whatever, but 23 there is of them. no uh, major – there is a Libertarian Party in New Hampshire. They're trying their best to come back, and you know, hopefully they'll, they'll have some success. I'm, you know, I mean, I, I want as many people as possible who are preaching the liberty message to be running for office around here. I think that's best for everyone, but – uh, you know, the the party itself has had some some problems in recent years, and and I think it's trying to get back on its feet now. Well, even I, who am am relatively against political action, as far as I don't think it's the very best return on investment, and I'm constantly pleasantly surprised with some of the political things that uh, that go on here. Uh, I mean, to see an income tax proposal that is so heavily pushed and promoted go down in flames like that is Great. I mean, that is fantastic. And it's because of the efforts of a lot of free staters and liberty activists here who formed organizations like the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, which is a group that uh, that actually rates all of the different so-called representatives on their vo- – they actually catalog their votes on certain issues and they determine, well, did so-and-so vote in a liberty-oriented fashion or not? And then, and then they them. go down and they look at it and they give them a, a grade A to, uh, to F. And uh, beyond that, they actually look at all of the legislation. And they come up with recommendations on how right. they should vote. They give and the they, legislators a gold sheet saying, yeah. here, if you want to vote for liberty and you want to get your NHLA rating up, and a lot of them do, that, you know, this is how you do it. Right, so they, they do because they know that getting the liberty activists on their side for a campaign is very valuable. Sure, it's all they had to do is take, take a look at the Ron Paul campaign and they'll see that that, you know, that was effective. Some of the other things, though, that are going on here involve non-cooperation and civil disobedience. I find those uh, pretty exciting, too, and Josh was recently involved in some of that. So we'll come back and talk about his experience going to the pokey last week. More coming up, 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. If you enjoy this program, you can help support Free Talk Live 
by shopping with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Buy virtually anything on the site, and we'll get a cut, uh, whether it's a used item or brand new. In fact, if you're ordering new, you can probably get free Super Saver shipping. That's available on a whole lot of their new products. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Get your shopping done and help Free Talk Live out all at the same time. Again, Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. To your phone calls and the fun, talk to Brasky in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Brasky. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, uh, I tried to get onto the uh, onto the boards, and you guys uh, seem to have some kind of a problem going on there. Yeah, there's a big problem uh, with our server tonight. Uh, it's it's actually my fault now that it's not working because when our server was down earlier, it was down completely, and I hadn't heard back from the any of my admins or the uh, the hosting company, so I I decided to flip the freetalklive.com over to our Facebook profile. That way, if, if people were going to freetalklive.com, they could at least see something uh, that would give them a, a message as to what was wrong. And then, like, two minutes after I flipped it to the Facebook profile, the server came back up. So I flipped it back, and it's just that flipping it back is apparently taking an hour or something like that. So sorry about the inconvenience. Well, no, I just wanted to call in and troll you a little bit. Okay. Excellent. Go ahead. All right. Well, so, you know, you got your boards down. You know, you got, you got your guys on that. I also have a good uh, cop story. It's kind of half, half-assed, half if I can say that. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay. There is a... In Swoyersville, Pennsylvania, there is a uh, cop story that's going on right now that um, some guy was coming out of a bar about 2 o'clock in the morning, and he was standing there waiting for a ride. And he uh, he watched a bunch of other jock-type cops off-duty come out of a bar, the same bar that he was in. Um, an on-duty cop pulled up in front of the bar, saw his buddies or, you know, whatever, so then, now there's a bunch of cops outside of the bar and this one guy standing off to the side. Paul? Yep, sure. So, so the, uh, the jock... Uh, the jock cop buddies are all jumping around on this guy's car and jerking around with his... Uh, jerking around with his cop equipment and shining his light around and sliding over the hood of his car and all this. Woo! Pretty much. Drunk cop fun. Right. So one cop's on duty, the rest of them aren't, and one guy's standing off to the side. He walks up to the window and he knocks on the window and he's basically like, you know, hey, I'm, you know, paying your salary here. What Oh, man. That's crazy. bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, he got arrested. Things went wrong. And, uh, but he won. Long story short, the guy won. You know, he got arrested for, you know, public intoxication and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the off-duty cops are now pending suspension. And uh, there was, the great part of the story is, is that the, the jock cops that were coming out of the bar, they were doing, like, indecent things in public, like mooning each other and just <laughs> stupid stuff, right? And uh, Wow. It was caught on the camera of a bank. Awesome. Yeah. So the one, the guy that kind of made a stand for it, knocked on the window of cops, and ended up getting arrested. He's left off. Everybody's everybody's good. Cops are screwed. I can hardly imagine that that's that that that's the the outcome. I I I can hardly believe it. I'm, wait, I'm wait, wait, speechless. Wait. When you say the cops are screwed, when you say they're going to get a suspension, is it a paid suspension? You can you can find it on Google News. Uh, you can type in like you know Luzerne County 
Pennsylvania. Um, Is that L U Z E R N? Luzerne? Yeah, L U Z E R N E. Okay. Great. And uh, co- police hijinks in <laughs> Luzerne they County. They won't be having a termination hearing or anything over that. Not there very you go. likely. Did you find it? Uh, no, we'll we'll, uh, we'll look around for it, Brasky. I appreciate yeah, the heads well, up. Yeah, it's, it's right there. It's a, it'll be a fun story to razz on, I'll tell you that. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for the heads up on that. Anything else you want to talk about tonight? No, not at all. Uh, just uh, felt like trolling you a little right, bit. man. Well, well you're, you're, you're the head troll over there on the BBS, aren't you? Well, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. At 800-259-9231, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, you can bring up absolutely anything here. So, Luzerne County cops uh, going crazy outside of a bar. They didn't get charged with uh, drunken disorderly for sliding over the, the hood of a cop car and mooning people. But the other guy did for daring to uh, to knock on the cop's window, apparently. I've got the uh, story here. You do? I want to see it, yeah. Yeah, tell me if they're get- if you can find out a- whether or not they are getting uh, a paid suspension. Well, I haven't had had a chance to read it right. through it in its entirety. There's a move underway from a regional police department in part of Luzerne County. Some police and government leaders from five different communities in Hazleton have voiced support um, for a region. Oh, shoot. This is um, this appears to be something entirely different. Oh, well, I thought it, that's what we get for uh, yeah, just jumping in like Trying that. to jump it in. That's I right. thought it. Let's talk I, to Josh instead. Yeah, my mistake. Uh, so, Josh, you went to the Pokey last week, five days, to, uh, I guess, to earn what they call credit against a fine. When you go into court and they it's hit you... It's a big you, shell game, really. When they hit you with a fine, they allow you to work it off by sitting in a jail cell for $50 a day. Mm-hmm. So why did you go to court in the first place? Well, I was between vehicles back in May, and I didn't have the money to... Re-register one, so I took the registration from the functioning vehicle and put that plate on the car, or from the, I took the plate from the car that wasn't working properly, put it on the functional vehicle, drove the functional vehicle for a few days until I could get paid and, you know, take care of that nonsense on that Monday. Mm -hmm. Well, I was trying to get to a destination, like 12.30, I was speeding a little bit, nothing that was unjustified or reckless, and I got pulled over, long story short, they... Uh, tried to stick me for 250 to $300 worth of fines. Got it. Six months later, it finally comes where I can uh, go to court over it. Okay. Uh, defend myself the best I can. They'll hear none of it. And What did you money. say to them? What was your defense? Um, I tried to go first with the fact that it was an unnecessary stop for speeding and using um, the actual... RSAs and the way they define the two different types of speeding areas in the state, mm-hmm. prima facie and absolute, and I wasn't on an absolute speed zone. Uh, but he didn't want to hear that because I was making a legal argument uh, when I wasn't allowed to be making a legal argument. Why aren't you made allowed to make a legal argument? Because I was cross-examining a witness. Uh, when when are you supposed to make a legal argument? I have no idea. Yeah, the, the, this you're is supposed great. to know all the court rules. The judicial system is so inaccessible to the to, to the general public. Unless hey, you hire will, a lawyer, buddy. Right for 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 how much was the ticket? Two hundred fifty, three hundred dollars. Right. Spend thousands of dollars on a lawyer right. for a two hundred dollar ticket. I could have gotten a public pretender. Great, and that's what the COs call them. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> that's what they are. So you got hit with this uh, this fine, and you – what did you – okay, so you, you, you weren't allowed to defend yourself in the way you thought that you might be able to. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? What was your closing statement, basically? What, what did you say after all that? 
Well, I I took the stand in my defense and just said why. Oh, really? I, why I did what I had to do. Uh, articulated why I thought registrations were a pretty good idea. And I went back down to like make my closing argument, and he just found me guilty then and imposed the fine. Um, so you didn't get to make a closing argument? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the game they wanted to play. So I had to go to the next next draw. I really didn't have the money to pay them. Honestly, right. I didn't have. Would the you money. have if you did have the money? See, the the thing with the motor vehicle thing is if you, if I outright refuse to pay that fine, they would just suspend my license, and then I'm in a whole world of crap that I don't want to deal with anymore. But if you but if I took the uh, the indigent route, uh, they'll try to make you fill out a financial affidavit, and I really didn't want have the time or energy to keep coming back month after month, making scheduling a payment plan for extortion. Mm-hmm. That's what they do, and yeah. it is precisely what they do. They set up this payment plan, and then usually it's for people that really just can't afford it anyway, and then they <laughs> then they threaten you with jail after that. So, well, I told them that. Um, uh, no, you can just take me to jail. I came here to go to jail today if I had to. And he was a little taken aback by it, but didn't take him long to impose that sentence either. And the thing that's funny about Which it is... Which cost they, them, by the way. Yeah, they they want to say this like, I'm serving off the time, but it's a net loss on, on, two, on two fronts. The the state loses, right? well, they don't successfully take that $300 from me, then it costs 60 to $80 a day to house me. Yes. Well, I think that uh, you know the idea there is that they they're paying in order to make the roads safer because they're teaching you a lesson. You, you did feel, learn a lesson, didn't you? Right. You, you, right. What's the lesson you learned? Come on, tell us. It only takes five days to condition you to systematic feeding. <laughs> <laughs> that was your first time uh, behind bars, right? Yes, my first and only time in a cage so far. Thank toll goodness. Free, toll free number here is 800-259-9231. There's, there's some strategy uh, going on here as well, I think, and we can come back and talk about that. Uh, 1-800-259-9231, because what if 10%, 5% of the people who are given just traffic tickets for things like what you're talking about, registration or oh, speeding? I'll, I'll tell you about Let's Make a Deal Day at the Candia Court. Okay, more coming up here, uh, Hour 3 on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.
This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Still much to talk about tonight, including a mom who is uh, facing charges for cursing at a school principal. But first, we're going to continue uh, talking about Josh and his experience last week. Uh, one of the reasons you weren't on the show last week, Josh, is because, well, first of all, there's not a regular day that you appear on the program. Uh, when I can. We get you in here when you can. But last week, you couldn't, even if we wanted you here, because you were sitting in a jail cell. And uh, you were there because of a traffic situation, uh, registration. You'd taken a tag from one car and put it on another while you were transitioning. Uh, you had some money money problems. And uh, it was a temporary measure on your part, but you happened to get pulled over during that temporary time. What's they say about the uh, Murphy's Law? It's, whatever yeah, can go whatever. wrong will. Yeah. So uh, so they hit you then, and they charge you with a $250 fine or something like that. And you went to court because, number one, you couldn't afford to pay the fine Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, you went to court. They already you... suspended my license without my knowing. I, right? I moved without informing the, the DMV, so they couldn't get paperwork to me and just suspended my license. I drove around for three months with my license and registration suspended. Didn't know it. Who knows what crimes against humanity I committed in those three months. Uh, right, because well, once you get a driver's license, uh, apparently you're obligated to tell them where you are at all times. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had to pay that. That was like a hundred and some odd dollars to get that back. So you did pay. You had to pay that. You can't just sit in jail for that one. No, I had I had to pay to get my license back. Gotcha. So the one though, the two hundred fifty dollar fine, you did uh, go and sit in jail for five days, just kind of uh, at a fifty dollar a day rate, paying it back, if you will. Which, as you pointed out, costs the state because not only do they not get the money from you for the fine, but they're also paying something like sixty, at least sixty dollars a day. In some jails, it's more than that. I know that the new jail they're building out here, it's going to be a, over one hundred and ten dollars a day to put somebody in jail. Yeah. So I, I figured. The state spent between six and eight hundred dollars to steal me for five days. Yeah, exactly right. And, and one really has to wonder what is the point of that? What's the point of taking somebody to teach him a lesson? I guess that's what it is. Nobody it, wants to go to jail. Most people the, do not. That's that's the thought. The, but, the idea is to have uh, your spirit broken on the outside so they never have to bring you in. I guess Th- those places exist to to crush your spirit. That's all they exist for. You know, and in some cases they'll do these uh, th- these jail stints at your pleasure. They'll tell, well, yeah, you're, you're on. I'd like to just do the d- jail, but could I, you know, as do it a, on weekends? Right. They'll they'll let you do it yeah. because you know it's a hardship <laughs> of my family. I'm the sole breadwinner, right. and I work in weekdays or something like that. Can I just do weekends, please? And what is that? What is that accomplishing? Nothing. Not a damn thing. Absolutely nothing. It's just the system. It's just the way it works. It's the only thing they've got for punishment. They tried to give you a fine. You can't pay. Well, okay. Well, how about jail? Whatever. Silly. So you you were in there, and it it was a different experience for you, though, Josh, than it would have been for anybody else. First of all, your average person that's going through something like this does not want to go to jail. Uh, they're not interested in that as an option. So they're willing to make payments to the state, on a, get on a payment plan. Oh, a few years ago, I would have been terrified. Now, like, please don't put me in jail. Sure. Get me on a payment plan. I want to go serve suit to the homeless people. Why but, were you not terrified this time? What was different? Oh, I learned a little th- few things. Um, I stopped being afraid so much, and I, I credit that a lot to the, the friends and activists that I've met in the past year and a half, two years. Why is that? 
14 of them came to back me up that day. They didn't have to do that. Across the state. This wasn't exactly in your town. This was across. The this is an hour and yeah. a half away. Or yeah, I mean, we should be clear because across the state for most people means something. Yeah, this is about two <laughs> hours from Keene. Um, Dale and another uh, Keene local, Richard, came out. But other than that, it was uh, other free state people or other natives like me um, that were around that area of the state could come that's out. That's good. And that's one of the nice things about what's happening here. And uh, as we mentioned before, for those just tuning in, uh, Mark and myself were uh, members of the Free State Project. We're participants. We moved here from other places. Mark and uh, myself came from Florida. People are coming from around the country, even around the world uh, in many cases, to come here and get active for freedom. And that means standing up for our fellow uh, man who is being attacked by the state. And that means going to court trials and uh, and just attending and, and providing moral support and in many cases uh, staying seated for the uh, the robed man as they walk into the room and and really just uh, making it making it known that we don't appreciate their thuggery and their violence that they're inflicting upon people. Josh didn't hurt anybody. There was no victim to uh, his supposed crime. I, I made a point to ask um, every CO that I came across or every person that worked there that I got a chance to ask this question to. Do you believe that a person who has done no harm to a person or property? Deserves to be locked in a cage. And I couldn't even get so much as a yes or no. Not an answer. Wow. From over 12 people. Yeah, well, of course they didn't answer that question. I mean, if they said no, then they're saying that their their job is pointless and that therefore their existence is pointless. Well, not answering, I think, is an answer to some extent. Mm-hmm. So, Maybe they haven't just given any thought to it. So people are, are backing... It's good to ask the question. They're backing one another up. And we were talking earlier, we had John call in uh, to mention that the income tax proposal up here went down in flames. So even from a poli- from a political perspective, their, uh, perspective, there is success being had here in New Hampshire. But this kind of thing here, where the state comes out, targets somebody for violence over something like a you know traffic, whatever, speeding ticket, things like that. One guy got hit with an illegal U-turn ticket. I mean, there have been all kinds of silly nonsense, uh, traffic-related things. People People have poured out in support for their their fellow activists. Now, I, what I'd like to see happen eventually is us getting enough people here to where we can just go regularly to arraignments and and support people. Uh, you know, we don't quite have that yet. We've been talking with an attorney, for instance, who is looking to get uh, licensed up here about essentially raising the money to have him be the public defender for people, like. Not just for the liberty activists, but for anybody. So essentially to hire an attorney full time to to pay him a a salary on a yearly basis where essentially he could uh, hang out at the courthouse (laughs) during an arraignment and just offer people his services for free. To uh, to help them with uh, with traffic tickets and uh, marijuana possession and and things like that, or like a mutual mutual contract. I don't know exactly how like like a pool of people and one attorney. Well, yeah, it would be that, but uh, but I mean, he would be working full time. So if there weren't activists that needed help, he would be able to just help out anybody that uh, that might want to uh, to to have help. Just just to encourage people to instead of plea bargaining out to go and take this to trial. And how cool would that be to have an activist attorney out there whose full time job it is to help people that are being attacked by the state? This is something that will be possible here. Pretty darn soon. I mean, it's something that I don't think we can afford quite works. yet. But it's it's being talked about. And as more people get here and get behind each other and, and start socializing and, and making those bonds, uh, these ideas will start coming out and, and things will start happening that have never been possible before in uh, in the liberty movement. I mean, that's a, that's a really big idea. And when I first heard that, I thought, oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. 
I mean, because then these people who can't afford to pay these fines, let alone pay an attorney, will have an attorney say to them, well, I'm willing to help you for nothing. That's my job. I'm being paid to help you by somebody else. And it sounds to me like that's something that the uh, the CD Evolution Fund could uh, could hopefully you know get behind. We've got this fund at cdevolution.org that uh, is intended to help people who are willing to to engage in civil disobedience, for instance. And as far as I'm concerned, taking something to trial may not exactly be civil disobedience, but it's darn close. I mean, if if not people- complying with the sentences. Absolutely, especially if you can encourage people to not comply with uh, with paying the fines and things like that. That is definitely uh, non-cooperation. The system absolutely cannot handle it if everybody takes their court case to trial. Even if they go and pay, pay the fine, there's still the, the time. They don't have the time or the resources just to do Just loading the trials up on the right. docket. It took an well, hour to go through all the people lining up just to take their deal. Maybe something that took five minutes took an hour to get through everybody. I think that um, if you do something like this, then you then have the power to say, you know, the, the, the sort of bargaining power to say to the, the judges or whomever who's going to – they're going to try to confront this um, lawyer, the situation, and they're going to say something like, you've got to stop what you're doing. And then you can say, well, you know, you have to stop what, what you're, you're doing, doing in this area or that area. You know, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure that car registration is the first place that, that we need to see freedom in New Hampshire. Um, I think that uh, – I think that freedom – Freedom needs to be uh, gone after in a systematic, uh, uh, you know, orderly system, and I think that you're whatever that s- means, they came after uh, our friend, and people stood up for him. And that uh, was the I'm right not thing saying that do. there's not value in what he did. I'm just saying that you know, once you have that bargaining power, you'll you can go after you know the most egregious cases. The like- toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Juicy Juice, creators of the Juicy Juice Brain Development and Juicy Juice Immunity Fruit Juice Beverages. For more information, visit us at JuicyJuice.com. When it comes to staying healthy, the digestive system is a great place to start. It's 70% of the immune system. Look for kid-friendly foods that are high in fiber, like popcorn and yogurt. Prebiotic fiber helps the good bacteria in the gut flourish, while simple sugars like high-fructose corn syrup only help the bad, leading to bloating and discomfort. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on our site for free, and I believe it's finally back up and running here uh, at freetalklive.com. So it's working, and it's free. Enjoy at freetalklive.com, and enjoy the live streams. There's broadband versions, dial-up version, webcam uh, we've got the listen lines as well at listen.freetalklive.com. And Manchester Brewing Beer is made from genuine Concord Pond water. They don't get the stuff from sewers in Jersey like some of those other beers that they could mention. Manchesterbrewing.com. You know, if I had to choose between pond water and sewer water, I guess I would choose pond water. All right. We continue here at 800-259-9231. I choose Manchester Brewing every single night. It's great stuff. <laughs> All right, so we continue and take your calls. Ted, in the woods, on the amp line. Ted, you're on Free Talk Live. How y'all doing? Is here Ted Benjamin, man? Ted, what's on your mind? <laughs> Brother, I wanted to talk about the Sputnik. Y'all know what that is? <laughs> the thing that went out to uh, the moon satellite? or something, right? Satellite or what? Where'd, they, where'd the Sputnik go, anyway? Orbit. 
It didn't go quite that high. No, it just no. it goes up about you know I'd say like eight hundred feet possibly. All right. So what about feet. it? Okay. Well, this is your little science experiment that everybody can do at home. And uh, man, if you know any of people that like the aliens, you know anybody that likes aliens? I love that movie. James Cameron's Aliens was fantastic. No, we ain't talking about Sigourney Weaver again tonight, oh. buddy. To <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, I see what you did there. <laughs> no, man, I'm talking about, like, aliens, not like uh, Mexicans, but, like, you know, the uh, people that think they see UFOs all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean, like, the greys oh. or uh, reptilians or yeah, something like yeah, that? Yeah, like them, man. I, I like riling them guys up. Those guys, they're, they're a good time. You can really mess with them. Wait, you like, you hold on, you that. like riling the aliens up or the people that believe they've seen aliens? Oh, the people that believe they've seen aliens. Oh, uh, I don't believe in no damn aliens except don't. the ones that work down at the road crew there with me. Gotcha. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, here... We got these uh, lightweight garbage bags. Yeah. And uh, you get yourself one of them styrofoam, earth-destroying uh, egg cartons. You know what I mean? The ones that ain't good for the environment no more and stop using them. Okay. Yeah, I don't even know where they can get get those. Uh, yeah, we, well, it's hard to find, but, man, it's worth it, buddy. Just go down to the dump. Them things don't ever dissolve. They're always there. <laughs> but so what you got to you get yourself some fishing line. And you know them birthday candles that the assholes will put on your cake and they're hard to blow out? You can't blow a damn Yeah, trick out? candles. Yeah, them trick candles. You need to get you some of them. About a whole damn pack of them. I don't know how many is in there. 20 some, 50 or I don't right. know. You stick them in that damn egg carton and you light them all up and you blow up that garbage bag that's tied to this egg carton with that fishing line. And you blow that some <laughs> bitch up with a hair dryer. Okay. You know, get, go get your go get the ladies' hair dryer. Yes. And uh, you plug that some bitch in with a extension cord. Get it far away from your house. You don't want to catch your damn house on fire. <laughs> but you blow that some bitch up real big with that hot air dryer on the hottest setting you got, and you light all them candles up, and you let that some bitch go. It's just like a hot air balloon. Mm-hmm. Boy, how it, it sure looks crazy when it's flying across there. And if you send that some bitch up over someone's house that you know talks about them aliens all the time. <laughs> Boy, they'll freak out. Oh, it's good times. So you've done this, Ted? Oh, yeah, I've done yeah. it all the time, man. We used to do it every damn weekend. It was well, a good you time. You attach some Christmas lights to that so it blinks in formation. Yeah. Well, I suggest that you don't do it when it's dry out because, I mean, you know, it is. Catch some on fire. You, the way it comes down, it catches that bag on fire. Yeah, that's, it, that's kind of dangerous. It's whole damn hillside on fire. <laughs> We've had that happen a few times, too. It's good fun putting it out, though, I tell you what. So where are you in the woods, Ted? You said, what, 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 where do you live? I'm in West, by God, Virginia. West Virginia. Thank you so much for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I'd, I'd say he's... Uh, He's one of the best characters we've had in a long time. You think he's a you think he's a joke? I think yeah, I think so. 800-259-9231. There are people that talk like that. There are people like that. <laughs> he is an amplifier though. He's got he's the amp number. Very good at that that accent. Right. He, he grew up around that accent. Toll free number 800-259-9231. All right. So, let's see. Oh, we were talking about the uh, the whole not paying fines thing and uh, Josh just last week spent an entire week in jail five days in jail because you would not pay the fine you couldn't pay the fine if you'd wanted to pay the fine and if you don't pay fines then around here in New Hampshire they put you in a jail cell for 50 bucks a day basically and so that's what happened uh, people came down and and supported you at the trial you ended up uh, going to jail and you got out and while you were in jail by the way you the support was still there it's not first of all most people don't get 
hardly any support from anybody else when they go just to court. In our case, up here in New Hampshire, because of the liberty movement, because of the Free State Project, regularly you can have a dozen people turn out for, for a trial on 24 hours notice. There are that many activists it's here. amazing. That they'll just come out and do this. You know, it's it's nine in the morning or whatever. It, people, a lot of them have to be at work. So if, if some people came and they had to leave because it was taking too long, but you know, right. just that momentary presence made a big difference. That they were there and that they cared enough to take some time out of their day to come out and uh, and show themselves. And but the support didn't end when you went to jail, did it? It did not. Now there was a couple days because it takes a little while for the mail to get there where you didn't get any mail, but you got hit with uh, a stack of mail two days in, didn't you? Three days in? Absolutely. And something as simple as a stack of mail kind of forces um, the COs to look at you in a more human light. Yeah, like, a huge stack of mail. I I, I don't think I've ever seen, uh, you know, having been in prison myself and and uh, you know quite a, quite a long time. Uh, the, the the size of the stack of mail that you described was unlike a stack that I've seen before. About six inches thick. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. Incredible. Now, that c- came because of the activists on the outside caring, giving enough of a damn to send you letters, and because the activists are so industrious and brilliant – one of them, Mike Barsky, came up with the idea of mail to jail. Most of the stuff came from mail to jail. I bet it, I bet it was like 90%. Absolutely. Uh, Mail-to-jail.com. You can go there, and there, right now there are people up on that site. They're not necessarily New Hampshire uh, activists that are listed there, but that's the original reason the site was created was for New Hampshire liberty activists to, who, are put, who are going to jail to have an easy way for those of us on the outside to literally point, click, type a message out, and then uh, have somebody else take care of the actual grunt work of printing it out, folding it up, shoving it in an envelope, addressing the envelope, stamping the envelope, and dropping it in the mail. You take all of those steps out. You just go and write the message that you want to write, click submit, and it goes out the next day, I think. You don't even have to pay. No, well, you don't have to, but I've given. Mike works uh, on donations, so it would be nice to donate to him. It's a great cause. I have done that, and I recommend it. Mail-to-jail.com. You can go check the site out, and then hit the donate button and give him some money because it's not cheap to send things in the mail. Obviously, I mean, every letter is you know, almost fifty cents to uh, to get it out there. Though you can send postcards uh, as well through mail. Did you get some postcards? While yeah, you were? and they they ripped a big corner out of each and every one of them. Why? Because there was a stamp on there that I couldn't reuse. Oh, or they didn't want you to, uh, you know, the, the rumor been LSD is that you get there. LSD under the stamps, right? That's the that's the rumor. Did they oh. rip the stamps off the envelopes as well? Yes. Interesting. They they ripped uh, some of the return addresses off too. So there's different protocols. If at they were different put, jails. if they were put with a sticker, mm-hmm. that's likely what it was. It's likely that they that, that they're trying to prevent LSD from getting in. Were they all opened? Did they open all your envelopes before mm-hmm. you got them? Toll-free numbers 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Take control of the airwaves. Uh, I don't know if you've got more jail stories you want to tell. Yeah, let's move along. All right, we'll do that here. And you can dial up and bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com. Take the StartPage.com's seven-day challenge. For seven days, use StartPage.com instead of your big brother search engine and experience a difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, but unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. Start the seven-day challenge today at StartPage.com. 800-259-9231 to your phone calls. Again, we go to Alan listening in West Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Alan. Yeah, how you guys doing today? Hey, super. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, I'm much. I just wanted to confirm it. What you just said there a minute ago about the, uh, is exactly what people need to do. They need to, to, to in order to get rid of a lot of this frivolous uh, traffic stops, where they could be out doing actually, you know, something that's more important, is to to every little case, don't matter what it is, take it to trial. Take it to trial. That way, yep. they, them courts will be so boggled up, and, and, and they won't be able to afford to do all this, and they'll start cutting down. That's the only way that it's going to get back to the way it used to be. Absolutely, but it's going to take more than just a handful of folks. Right now, all we've got here right. in New Hampshire is a dedicated core group of activists that's willing to do that. That mentality has yet to spread to the general population, and until you can get one, two, three, four, five percent of people uh, taking things to trial, you're not going to have the, a, a significant effect. But it's, it yeah. is, you're right, the way to to, uh, to implode the system. That's why I took the time out to call you to let people know that there is people out there that do do that, and I'm one of them. Good, you should I'm come on up here. If you love freedom, you should come on up here to uh, New Hampshire. I've got plenty to do around here. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So what else do well, you want to share with us tonight? Uh, I've represented a lot of, lot of people. I'm not an attorney, but I've studied law for years, and I'll tell you that, that, that you can make a difference if people will just do it. And, and you know, it, it, it's so what if they spend a couple of days? What was it, Josh there just on five days? Five days. It yeah, went by Josh, rather right? quickly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Once you get over the first 24 hours or, or, or 48 hours is the worst part, and, and then after that, it, you, you'll learn it's, it's just... It's just a fact that it needs to be done, and people need to stand up for themselves and their rights and start doing this. Absolutely. Their, I, I, their system, Alan, as you know, depends on obedience. If people weren't so damned docile and pathetic and obedient, then you're right. They would never get away with this nonsense. But it's because people are willing to bow down, lick the boot of their masters, roll over, pay the fines, jump through the hoops. It's because of that obedience factor that they keep getting away with abusing people. Exactly, and that's all they want is your money. They want the money so they can finance their bigger projects. It's all about revenue, and if if you start doing your time and quit giving them the money, then they they don't they don't want to take care of you. They do, they do not want you. They they don't want the responsibility of you getting hurt and, and then them getting sued mm. or something else happening. They do not want you on their premises. They want you to pay the fine and get off. Get back out there in public streets where they can get you again. Yeah, keep making a big circle. Keep it coming. And if people will stand up, I guarantee you that they will quit that. They will absolutely quit. Years ago when nobody had any money, when everybody was poor enough to where, look, people just can't afford that. And they, you know, I mean, it was really, you know, it's just bad now. I'm not saying it's not bad. Yeah. But it, it was years ago, back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Look, they didn't play that game. It, you know, they didn't go out there unless there was a reason to be going out to somebody's house. 
where they didn't pull you over unless there was a really good reason. You was a suspect or something happened. But then they realized, well, look, we can take and we can stop these people left and right. We can give them a fifteen dollars traffic fine, but yet they can pay a hundred and fifty dollars court cost. Yep. You know, and pay another fifty dollars to the state police fund or whatever. And they you know, do it every, almost every time. It's like Josh was uh, was saying in there. What you call it? Let's make a deal day. Let's make a deal. <laughs> <laughs> they just all line up and they cut deals with uh, the prosecutor. Yep. Cha ching, cha ching, yeah, cha ching. Right. Just ringing the cash register over and over again. Absolutely, that's what they do, and that's what they're trained to do is to make a deal with them, make a deal with them. Well, they, that tells you right there if they're making a deal with you. Automatically, that tells you right there they don't have they're they're not on the right side of the law. There's a reason that they're making a deal with you. Not only do they want to want your money, but if you take and investigate that law, that crime that you committed, supposedly, ninety percent of the time they'll drop the case. Ninety percent of the time they'll drop the case, especially on a traffic ticket, before they'll set up a, a trial date because they don't have the time or the resources to do that. They can't take that time. They're losing money by all these other people that's willing to pay money. By taking time out and tying up the courts for you to go in there and argue your case. Oh, you don't even and have to be there. They'll find you guilty and, and fine you and come hunt you down. They, they were going through trials for people who weren't there before me, finding them guilty in absentia, mm. f- establishing a fine, and then... Warrant. Yeah. And a plea bargain is actually in the legal process to begin with. It's, yeah. It's I, in most, you know, it, that's... that's the, uh, I mean, of course, they can do what they want to. You know, that's the, that's the whole idea. Nowadays, it, it, the whole world... You know, with this whole world government thing, even back before everybody knew about the world government, it don't matter that all the courts, they think that they're God and they can do what they want. But the people need to stand up just the same as you would be standing up for the rights for your children or or anybody else. Well, we're all going you know, in. I mean, all of us. Uh, Mark, you go, you're going in for a parking ticket. I'm going in for a, for a parking ticket. And uh, there are so many more. There, there are so many trials scheduled. They're already scheduling them out to, I think the last I heard was May. Yeah, I got a $5 parking ticket that, that was scheduled out from, from November to April. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's good. Everybody, I'll just, I mean, every ticket, every single frivolous thing is going on, these little penny-ante things. Maybe we'll start to see more of it when trial. people Tell get in more desperate trial. circumstances. Maybe uh, maybe as the economy gets worse and people really can't pay uh, the, the fines, maybe the, we'll see more of it. But, but I think it actively needs to be encouraged. People need to be encouraged. They need to be shown support. And and for that, you have to have a network of activists. And you just don't have that anywhere but here. If, and if I'm wrong about that, I'd love to hear of a group of uh, liberty activists that's out doing courtroom activism that's uh, that's working to help people out. I've just never heard of it before. Well, it, it, you know, we all know how how corrupt everything is on top of the hill right now and how, how it's been, been – this has been happening for years. This isn't something that just happened overnight. And the, the thing of it is, it needs to start at a low level, work our way through the cities, through the state government, all the way back up to the, to the, to the, to the uh, you know, the federal government. It's a good tactic, just, Alan. Thank you for sharing it tonight. I agree yeah, completely. Sure. Thank you so much for the call at 800-259-9231. The question is, what percentage of non-cooperation... And, I mean, like you said, Josh, there was a line of people. This was just one uh, particular day in the week. I know they hold arraignments at least uh, two or three days a, a week. I was clogged all the way back to the door, spilling out into the uh, the lobby. I've sat in that room before, and it has been so packed during the wintertime that people are sweating because well, it's just 
it's sweltering due to all the body heat. There's just so many. I mean, these are human resources. They're they're human, resources. They're to absolutely be human resources. And uh, you know, you I, I got to see it when I was in there for my uh, parking ticket. You know, you've got this this young pregnant woman standing there with her belly out in front of the the judge, and the judge is saying, "We've given you time after time, young lady, to pay your uh, you know your, your scheduled payment, and you haven't been doing it. I sentence you to jail." Mm. And I mean, he sent this pregnant lady to jail. Wow. I mean, he's he's like, you need to pay your little fine. She. She's got a new mouth to feed on the way. It looked like her first. I mean, she didn't have another child in tow, so one would have to assume it was her first. Yeah. I mean, she's getting ready for this important life transition, and this guy's sending her to jail for some stupid victimless crime. Which is, of course, the other thing, is that when you were in there, Josh, how many uh, violent criminals did you meet? Uh, two in the tank for breaking and entering and, and armed robbery. My cellmate was in there for three months on disorderly conduct. Whatever that means. Contempt of cop. Um, so how many people did you meet that weren't violent? Well, I didn't get to get out and walk around for at least the first three days, but a couple of nonviolent drug offenders. There was an old guy in there that was doing his entire sentence. I didn't find out what for in solitary or just lockdown because he refused to shave. <laughs> oh, God. That was great. Yeah, I, not shaving in jail is it's amazing to me. Be, um, you know, I don't know how this this was set up, but I wouldn't even think they could make you shave prior to a conviction. And usually that's what who's housed in jail. So usually jails don't have a shaving rule. Usually that's a prison thing if There's they're going to no have it. There's no rule when I was in. Uh, it's it's just all arbitrary. It's, it's all different depending arbitrary. on where you it are is. and who the guards are and everything. 800-259-9231. But Alan is absolutely right. It is your obedience that feeds this system. And as soon as you stop, as soon as multiple people stop obeying, system's done. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing toll-free at 800-259-9231. Only moments remain, but enough time for your call at 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. <laughs> and Josh. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Also, I want to tell you about the Totasak, T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com. You can go there and learn about a wonderful little handle that was made of, uh, is made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States, designed to help you carry a whole lot more than you normally can. Uh, because it just simplifies, for instance, the process of bringing in grocery bags from the car. This is what I use my Toto Sacks for. Uh, makes it so I can bring back my groceries in one trip. It is that easy to carry multiple bags with one of these little handles. And if you've got two of them, then you can carry a whole lot. Uh, go to totosack.com to learn more and get some of yours. In fact, we've got a Totosack to give away this week, and we might be doing that tonight here if we get a chance to. So stay tuned for that possibility. But uh, go grab yourself a family pack over at totosack.com, T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com. As we continue here, uh, there are some other stories that are worth talking about. And one of them is a New Jersey mom who has been charged with disorderly conduct. Now, this is their fa- this is one of the police's uh, favorite charges because they can pretty much just hit anybody with it any old time they want to. Sure, it's you, you've been disorderly, whatever that means. I, I don't out of even, order. How do you how do you prove disorderliness? You don't have to. You right. can just chuck uh, in that shirt, rube. 
City uh, Cindy Schwalb says a boy pulled down her 13-year-old daughter's sweatpants in front of other students at their middle school. Schwalb says she went to the school board seminar about bullying and got upset when her daughter's case wasn't given the attention she felt it deserved. Schwab says she became enraged when the district superintendent started asking her questions, including one about whether her daughter was wearing a thong. Now, how exactly is that even relevant beyond to satisfy whatever prurient interest this uh, bureaucrat might happen to have about this 13-year-old girl's underwear habits? What relevance would that have? Maybe trying to establish what type of parent she is and would let her 13-year-old daughter wear a thong. As though that has anything to do with whether or not she should have had her, her been pantsed in front of her class. There was there was one time a style, and it probably it, it's probably gone out of style, I hope, uh, where where they, the girls would wear the thong sort of higher than their pants so that you could see that they were, in you fact, wearing it, a yeah. thong. And maybe that maybe he's suggesting that the, that, that, uh, the young man was uh, uh, you know lured beyond his ability to, uh, to cope. With the uh, with with the bait by these uh, th- this thong that was above the waistline. I'm coming up. I'm stretching yeah, here. You're I'm, trying. Let me give you Superintendent Joseph Luongo's actual quote. He says it was a fair question, saying, "Quote: I had to find out what body parts were actually revealed." Really? Is it really relevant whether or not uh, her genitalia was revealed if someone pulled her pants down in front of the class? Is it really relevant whether or not her uh, her uh, vagina was hanging out for all to see as opposed to just seeing a thong or seeing some uh, granny panties or something like that? What, why would that change the situation? Why would it be any less of bullying if the bully knew whether or not the girl had a thong on? Why, why would that matter? It seems to me that this guy is satisfying some sort of purian uh, purian interest. Like he <laughs> I, wants to know if this little girl wears a thong or not. I I I don't. I'm not going to be. I, I can't tell you what his uh, interest is in asking it, but I don't think it matters. Seems inappropriate to me. Yeah. Uh, she later cursed out the school principal Edward Bacher in a hallway. Schwab calmed down and apologized and left the building without further incident. Still, the district filed a complaint against Schwab. Detective Joseph Rink, who also sits on the school board, filed the report. School officials said the meeting wasn't the place for Schwab to express her concerns. This is stupid. That's what the school board exists for. I mean, not in New Jersey. Oh, God. I mean, they're supposed to do something about this. They didn't do something. She got frustrated. She took out their frustration on and then they use their power. You know, to to, you can't show you, lady. Yep. So the, the bullies defended bullying, essentially. This poor lady has been victimized over and over again by these people and will continue to be victimized every time property taxes come due. Schwab's lawyer says he's proud of her client. She's passionate mother who stood up for her daughter. More mothers should take her as an example. This is no longer a local New Jersey problem. The problem of bullying and intimidation is a national one. He says that deserves public awareness. By the way, Ms. Schwab entered a not guilty plea in court. So she is not taking a plea bargain. And good for her. So just wanted to share that with you as an example of just the absurdity of the system. You, you can't even speak out without – you can't yell at a bureaucrat. You, and, and it's understandable why she would get yelling mad at these people. They don't care. They're asking her questions about her daughter's underwear when she's trying to express to them her concern about, you know, from a mother's perspective of what's going on in the school. 
and she feels as though she isn't being listened to. She feels as though she's not being taken seriously. She had an outburst about it. Not only did she have an outburst, she apologized after she realized that she might have lost her temper, which I say was completely reasonable of her to uh, beyond reasonable of her to do. I think it's completely uh, would have been reasonable for her to just yell and storm out of the building, considering the things that they were doing. So even though she apologized, the cop that sits on the school board files a uh, complaint against her and charges her with disorderly conduct. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. 1-800-259-9231. The insanity doesn't stop there, though. Uh, in New York City, they're going to be banning salt. Or not yet. Right, Mark? They're, they're not quite banning salt. They have banned trans fats, as, if I'm not mistaken, as far as uh, from restaurants. Restaurants aren't allowed to use trans fats when they're cooking food. But maybe the next step is going to be banning salt. Well, well um, New York City has, uh, you know, it's taken steps unlike uh, other places uh, by, you know, banning trans fats and all that other stuff. Now they're they're moving on to salt. Now, it's not a ban. It's a recommendation. But I can only imagine the, what the next step is, um, you know, in, in the, the, the war on people's eating habits going on in, in New York. And, and it, it's going to go elsewhere. City health officials this is from the AP. City health officials have battled trans fat and high-calorie fast foods. Now they're taking on salt. The health department planned to release uh, Monday on draft guidelines suggesting the maximum amount of salt that should be in (laughs) a wide variety of manufactured and packaged goods. This is what baffles me. It's manufactured and packaged goods. It's not even restaurants. No, it's not restaurants. Are you telling me that, um, uh, that they manufacture and package a lot of goods in New York City still? I can't imagine they do. Uh, you know the property taxes are too high. It's 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 just it, it's too crazy of a place to run some kind of a manufacturing must business. Must be industrial zones where that stuff goes on. Maybe I just can't imagine that it's it's cost effective. So they're probably what I believe they're doing is in fact recommending for other people elsewhere. Like anyone cares, you know. Well, it's it's like, New York City. There's got to be manufacturing that happens there. Uh, maybe it's just for the manufacturing inside. I, they're not clear on that. Or maybe uh well maybe some. Well, maybe some businesses like, you know, a, a pastry shop packages their goods. Would that count? I mean, if you're wrapping up, uh, putting donuts in a little... If you're sending them somewhere. It's only for shipping? It's, it's not it's, for... It's for manufactured and packaged goods. You're not talking about a box of donuts here, man. No. The recommendations call for sizable reductions in the sodium content of many products from a 20% drop in peanut butter to a 40% decline in canned vegetables. They're making peanut butter and canned vegetables in New York City? I just can't imagine this makes sense. There are too many places where you can you can put up a manufacturing place significantly more cheaply than you would have to pay for the property taxes in New York City. New York City, you know, it's basically a financial center. Uh, certainly, there's some people doing buying and selling there, textiles and mm-hmm. uh, the advertising and and those marketplaces. But I would think manufacturing's left anyway. Uh, even though there will be no penalties for companies that ignore the guidelines, health officials say they think some manufacturers will be motivated to make changes. So the fact that uh, canning companies already offer many of them offer low sodium versions of their canned food, that's not good enough. It has to all be low sodium. 17 national health organizations and 25 other city and state um, health agencies have joined New York City in the effort called the National Salt Reduction Initiative. <laughs> it aims to reduce... <laughs> Uh, how about we just have misery. a <laughs> misery? I have a proposal. Misery. How about a how about a, just a, a ban on taste? 
Let's just ban taste right out of food because if it's tasty, it must not be good for you, right? Well, I, I I recommend people cut down their salt intake if that's what they're you know from a health standpoint. I think that's a good idea, but I don't think that the government should be involved in that. I think that's people's choices. <laughs> Everyone needs some. It's it's hilarious. Uh, while um you know while these same liberals fight for people's right to die um for euthanasia uh, purposes, they fight against people's uh ability to eat what they want and then possibly kill themselves. It's insane. Everyone needs salt in his or her diet, but experts say Americans now eat about twice as much as they should. They can this can lead to problems including high blood pressure and increased risk of heart attack and stroke. The guidelines suggest that manufacturers lo- lower salt uh, content gradually over several years so consumers won't notice. I don't know about you. They still have salt me- shakers at home. Yeah, meanwhile, they'll just heavily salt it themselves. <laughs> I got a shaker full of MSG. <laughs> Anyway, it's Benny in here with you. And Josh. And Mark. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Some people, all they can... The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. And so begins another episode of the Edgington Post. And uh, today I've got with me Scott Horton from antiwar.com. Scott? Hey, how's it going, Mark? Thanks for having me. Sure. And, I, Scott, I appreciate you coming on on such short notice. I I had, uh, I would call it a cancellation, but it was really just my fault in scheduling. Um, so thanks for, for coming on quickly. And, uh, hey, man, it happens. We'll fly by the <laughs> I seat know of, how it is. We'll fly by the seat of our pants here, okay? Sure, sure. So if uh, if I ask you about uh, foreign policy in regards to some country that you just don't know about, that's fine, okay? Yeah, sure. I, I'll try not to answer anything I don't have an answer for. <laughs> so uh, first thing, big country in the in the news right now is, is Haiti. Um, uh-huh. They got uh, some terrible earthquake there where they say tens of thousands of people died, and if not hundreds of thousands. And I find that amazing considering I was in Haiti and I never saw a building that was more than two stories tall. I can hardly imagine how an earthquake would kill anybody in a uh, corrugated tin hut, but go ahead. Did you just say, did you just say tens of thousands of people killed? That's what, that's what I'm hearing on the news. Wow, man. I'm sorry. I haven't been watching TV today. That's the most horrible thing I've heard in a long time. Jeez, it's incredible. Well, I wonder if that's really right. I don't know. Yeah, I I I, I wonder too. If if so, it's a it's a disaster on the scale of the tsunami. Yeah, I mean that's horrible. That's like uh, you know a year worth of killing in Iraq or something. Yeah, or, the only well, a few months worth. The only thing more horrifying than the earthquake in Haiti is the government in Haiti. Yeah. So, well, I don't know if it, if even uh, even government in Haiti kills that many people a year, although. Uh, I guess when you count opportunity costs and everything. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, Papa Doc, um, maybe in the, the, the top of the Papa Doc regime. Mm-hmm. Well, I do know that I saw Jeremy Sapienza put a blog up at antiwar.com about on CNN. They were shocked and horrified to find out that there's no permanent American military presence in Haiti for <laughs> this short period of time in our a shared history here, and uh, isn't that horrible? I hope somebody sends an aircraft carrier to help them and save them from their earthquake immediately. And 
I mean, it really is, I think, part of our culture. It's uh, like George Carlin said, when there's anything wrong, we declare war on it. And it even, <laughs> when, even when it's a rainstorm or an earthquake or a tsunami or something, uh, our immediate reaction is to send the military. And I guess they really are you know, organized to deploy resources in, in uh, high order and so forth. But then again, if we didn't have an empire and we didn't have a giant navy that uh, ruled every sea on the planet, uh, how much more money would regular, you know, free American civilians have to go and, and help or at least donate to help the people of Haiti? I mean, history shows the American people are extraordinarily generous, although, you know, here our government, uh, you know, has most of us needing help like a bunch of Haitians. <laughs> you know, many of us got an unemployment rate that is basically the cost of our wars come due now. And... um and the American people certainly have a lot left to give. So I guess we don't need the Pentagon that much more. You know, I've always kind of wondered about, about Haiti, and I don't know much about the island. I've, I've been there one time. And that's probably more than most Americans can say. But, um, I, you know, I, the, the labor there has to be incredibly cheap. Why is it that some company that, that you know, makes simple widgets or whatever they are doesn't set up there and take advantage of, uh, you know, NAFTA or CAFTA or whatever, set up a factory in Haiti? I, you know, maybe you've got to put barbed wire around it or something and just, uh, you know, produce stuff there. Is it because the government's liable to take it or, or, or what? I really don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, in fact, I'm I'm thinking... There was something I read not too long ago about the whole conflict in the Clinton years between uh, the wasn't it the Catholic priest that won the election or something Aristide. that he was and then yeah and then Clinton tried to put him back in power and all that and yeah. supposedly a lot of that was about the you know people being paid you know nickels a day or whatever for their work and he tried to do something about it and they got rid of him immediately so. You know, I think probably what happens is things are made there to some degree, but none of the wealth stays there. And so capital is not built up in the hands of the people of Haiti. And, you know, I don't know if that's an argument for Haitian protectionism or or uh, an argument against the American empire. I think probably the latter first anyway. Yeah, I, I really do wonder whether, um, you know, the, the sort of the step t- to freedom has to come through the the um, you know, sort of republic democratic process thing where the power goes to the to the the people or the workers or whatever it is um, you know first because you know allowing more freedom essentially um, in Haiti probably you know in a lot of colonial places um, not that Haiti exactly fits into the colonial mold but um, in a lot of colonial places basically means more freedom to the landowners and less freedom to the serfs. Yeah, yeah, more freedom for the people who already uh, ruled the place. And, you know, I don't think the solution to that really is any sort of government thing because they're always going to work for the people who already have the power with very few exceptions. Very few. And I think think really the solution for the Haitians is for you and I to live up to our responsibility and abolish our government, make it leave them alone, and then they can take care of abolishing theirs. They 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 did in fact uh, do that once already. So um, you know it may be may very well be that they're capable of handling that on their own. Yeah, yeah. Well, the problem is the replacing it with another one instead of just not having one. Oh, they'll do that. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's the name of our dilemma as well, isn't it? The yeah. name of the dilemma that we inflict on most of the rest of the world, and 
No, I'm sorry. I really don't know enough about Haiti to comment on it, but I can't imagine that there's not a bunch of disgusting American politicians behind their misery in one form or another. Well, speaking of destroying governments and uh, instituting new ones that we like a little better, how are things going in Afghanistan? Well, things are going absolutely horrible in Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, I interviewed Dan Ellsberg uh, back, I guess it was on uh, New Year's Day, and he said that he held right the counterinsurgency policy for the Vietnam War, and not the original search and destroy, but the smart guy, clear hold and build like General Petraeus' strategy. And he said that what they found out back during Vietnam was that this doesn't work. Counterinsurgency simply means civil war. It means that you have the people who are the quizlings of the occupiers versus the rest of the people. Same in Vietnam as it is in Afghanistan. So in this case, we have uh, Hamid Karzai, who is nominally, I mean, he is a Pashtun, but he certainly doesn't seem to be, um, you know, very close in politics to uh, the rest of the Pashtuns of Afghanistan, at least as far as I can tell. Uh, but you have more and more uh, an army that is made up of Tajiks and Uzbeks, and I don't know what role the Hazaras are being allowed to play. And uh, But, uh, you know, it's the Northern Alliance versus the, the Pashtun or the Taliban uh, supported by the Pashtun tribes. And it's the same civil war that's been going on since the Soviet Union left. And uh, so here we are just propping up one side more than the other, which, you know, to me, it's just a matter of, it seems to me like the more we prop up the Northern Alliance in power, if we call them what they are, the more we prop them up in power, the harder they're going to fall when we finally have to leave. Because, you know, the news is that America cannot dominate Eurasia forever. At some point, we're going to go. And then the people that we're propping up in power have no natural power of their own in the society, but are simply backed by the foreign occupier, they're going to fall even harder. The same thing happened in Vietnam. When America finally had to leave, the people who had been uh, loyal to us and worked with us paid the harshest price. So all we're doing there is just setting up that society for worse. So, um, and in fact, this is different from Iraq, because in Iraq we installed the majority in power. It was foreign support uh, foreign support for Saddam Hussein's regime is what had kept minority rule in charge in that country for a long time. So when George Bush overthrew his government, they replaced it with a Shiite government that more or less has the consent of the 60% Shiite majority. So they don't need us. In Afghanistan, it's not the same. Well, um, what, what's you know what's going to happen in Afghanistan when we pull out, and and uh, you know what what's the what what, what are, I guess first the first question is what is the United States of America doing at this moment in Afghanistan? Because I know I know the reasons that we that the United States government went in there. But I don't really know the reason that it's still there. I recently I read an article from from anti-war uh, J- Justin Romando, who is really an amazing author. Um, and but I'm wondering, is it still just sort of Obama's war, or and, you know, tell me about it. Well, you know, I, I think my my biggest problem and, and the biggest problem that a lot of people have when analyzing these kinds of things is trying to really narrow it down to some sort of bottom line. When really, you know, in this empire, you have a lot of, uh, you know, disparate 
forces that come together in order to form a policy that none of whom, you know, could carry this out on their own. So there are obviously arms manufacturers who are interested in selling weapons. Yes. There are congressmen who are interested in having weapons sold from their district to the national government in order to keep people employed. I'll uh, refer you to the MRTA-based economy of southwestern Pennsylvania there. Um, there are people in media who love having... Uh, you know, an exciting explosion to talk about on TV and sell advertisements. Uh, and there are people who like to get their products sold by putting their advertisements on the news during those times. Uh, there are uh, Democrats and Republicans in, uh, especially, obviously, not as much in the judiciary, but certainly in the legislative and uh, executive branches who all have their own personal reasons for supporting this policy or that policy or going along with this boss or that boss that gave them a promotion before or whatever. And so, and there are campaign promises and, you know, spin from this side and the other. And all these things basically come together. Obviously, oil interests uh, have something to do with this, although I couldn't tell you exactly what. Um, I mean, people have a lot of different things, different uh, kind of theories about the role of pipeline politics here, whether we're trying to prevent uh, Iran from building a pipeline to China and or build a pipeline of our own from Turkmenistan down to the port of Karachi uh, and all these things, this kind of great game with the Caspian oil reserves. I think it's kind of more general than that, that rather than and I don't mean to acquit them, I don't really know about this, but I think rather than Exxon driving the policy in that sort of just, uh, you know, no blood for oil kind of we're stealing their oil sort of way, I think it's much more about the government and the Pentagon itself and their idea of preventing what they call any near-peer competitor from ever challenging them. That means no combination of Russia, Europe, uh, Japan, China, anybody else ever uh, shall be able to have a military that could even think of challenging ours, to have dominance over the world, full-spectrum dominance over the world, that no one would even try to compete with us when it comes down to it. And basically, as you can tell by, you know, looking at the, at the unemployment rate, this is a policy of self-destruction. Uh, we're losing way, way, way more, uh, more wealth then we're gaining from any of this. It's, it's the, the individual uh, interests and power that come together to push for this who gain at the expense of the rest of us. And, you know, pretty soon our empire is going to look a lot like the Soviet one. It's not going to exist, and, and those of us here back in the homeland, as they call it now, are going to be starving. You know, um, I think that the, all these interests, they work towards sort, sort of uh, uh, playing off the American, uh, you know, the, the, I, I, I don't know what to call it, but sort of the sports mentality. It seems like a lot of people uh, support the war because go red, white and blue, yay team. Um, they love America. And, uh, you know, I, I get that feeling. I just don't think you necessarily have to kill people to feel that way, you know, Um and I, I think that uh, those interests sort of play into that. And, I, you know, it, to me, it's a very simple-minded process. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, yeah, it is. It's uh, us versus them, we versus they kind of thing, which, you know, if we're all, you know, simply monkeys, then I guess that all makes sense. You know, like we're all living in meerkat manner here, and we have to just follow 
our instincts. But, you know, we're supposed to have a civilization here and be adults and, you know, some of us with partial educations and be able to think these things through. Is it worth cannibalizing our society to death in order to feel good about your team killing people somewhere else? Is it okay to kill them in order to feel that way? Like, you know, let's go ahead and examine this for what it is in a little bit of detail. And we find that, you know, right now, America's lost. I mean, a lot of people know this, dude. It's not supposed to be this way where, generally speaking, the polls say people uh, agree that we're all we're headed on the wrong path. But we don't know what's wrong. Well, I'll tell you what's wrong. Empire. That's what we've gotten wrong here that America ought to rule the world. Let the English rule the world if somebody's got to rule the world. What's that got to do with us? Nothing. We should have, we have no reason whatever to rule the world. And, you know, I was just listening, actually, before you called, to a speech by John T. Flynn that's posted today at uh, the History News Network at the Liberty and Power blog. And it's John T. Flynn giving a speech at an America First rally. Uh, against it's in from June of 1941, trying to keep us out of World War II, and explaining how yeah they say, and in fact it's the woman who introduces him says, you know they say that freedom is good, and that's why we need to have this war. Well, freedom is good, but let me tell you something: when we're done with this, the people who follow us will never forgive us for what we've done with their freedom. And you know what? They're right. I don't forgive them. Uh, what they did was they gave it all away. And they embraced the empire that the, uh, the founders had rebelled against, had won their independence from, and instead we became our enemy. Uh, and, and we've occupied the whole world ever since. There's just no denying that since World War II, we inherited the Japanese empire. We inherited the German one. We inherited the French and the Dutch and the Belgian empires, and we've kept them all. The, the Soviet Union got one-third of the world, and we got two-thirds. And now the theory is that we own it all. Um, you know, we're still trying to get our regime change in Russia and China to get somebody completely compliant in there. But otherwise, I, this is the policy anyway, and it's obviously self-destructive. It obviously only pushes Russia and China closer together, pushes Germany closer to Russia as well. Uh, it, it all, uh, and it of course, creates anti-American terrorism that kills American civilians as well as other people around the world. And it just isn't right. Anybody can look at it. If you put the name on it, it's empire. It's what we're not supposed to be. Simple as that. Now, um, a lot of the the sort of scare tactic that goes with um, you know, you know this this war in Afghanistan is well. What about the Pakistan's nukes? I mean, we all know that in Pakistan they're doing nothing but living in mud huts, and they've got these nuclear weapons in the middle of their mud hut village, and we don't want the uh, the terrible uh, Waziristanis to us uh, to, to to ride in on their camels with their scimitars waving and take the nuclear weapons. <laughs> yeah, isn't well, that the I'm story? So scared. Is it? I'll is, tell you what. I'll- I mean, the reason that that's even, uh, you know, credible at all is because there's a, a massive grain of truth in there. There are Pakistani nuclear weapons. However, yes. As, as I know, you well know, uh, Pakistan is not a civilization of mud huts uh, by any stretch. And the nuclear weapons there are not controlled by, uh, you know, crazy medieval religious zealots with scimitars uh, whatsoever. They're controlled basically by... Uh, the Pakistani military, otherwise known as the Central Intelligence Agency of the United <laughs> States. I mean, this, is, this country is a, 
is, you know, Zadari, the prime minister there, is simply a puppet of America. Uh, the military there is all tied in with America. They have all different um, uh, contingency plans to make sure that their monopoly on the control of nuclear weapons is maintained, uh, you know, by the military there. They're not trying to give their nuclear weapons to anybody. And if if we're talking about worst-case scenario, where Pakistan falls apart, where maybe there becomes a, some massive split inside the military as to who's on whose side, and these things come into question, there's only one group of people to blame, and that is the Imperial Court in Washington, D.C., which has done nothing but bomb Pakistan for years now, and bomb Afghans into fleeing Afghanistan into Pakistan. And, uh, of course... Ayman al-Zawahiri is still putting out podcasts. It's been a while since we've heard from Osama bin Laden, but uh, you know we know that no more than a few dozen of the so-called Arab-Afghan uh, friends of Osama bin Laden escaped into Pakistan back in 2001 in the first place. And yet how many innocent people have died? The headline in the New York Times reads that uh, Pakistan is becoming more Islamist and more anti-American than ever. What a surprise. You keep dropping bombs on them. Do we really believe that history began yesterday? George Bush and Barack Obama have been mass murdering the people of Afghanistan. What do you think that they're going to react? Remember how you felt on September 12th? Well, that's how they feel this morning, okay? (laughs) That's what we're doing to them. It's the same thing. Of course they're mad. Of course their country is tearing at the seams when their government is our puppet and letting us do this. You know what? I'm sorry, but uh, this is what happened to Cambodia, right? We had a puppet regime in Cambodia that allowed Richard Nixon to secretly bomb their country, to bomb the bad guys who were across the line in Cambodia. And it ended up meaning that their government fell and was replaced by the Khmer Rouge. And, you know, this is what we're doing in Pakistan, basically. This is the safe haven across the border. We have to bomb until, what, our allied government falls and is replaced by who knows who? Somebody awful. This is all a self-inflicted wound. It's no different than the headlines that say, oh, no, Somali jihadists are fighting in Yemen. Well, who turned them into Somali jihadists? Was it America's war against them ever since Christmas of 2006? Ever really since before that? Why would the Yemenis uh, or the the the, Yemen, the people of Yemen want to make alliances with them? Is it because we've been bombing Yemen? I mean, this is insane that that we just pretend that we can do whatever we want without consequence, and then when the consequences come, they're simply the excuse for our next intervention. Scott, I mean, uh, and and to be specific, Robert Kagan and Michael O'Hanlon wrote in the New York Times back in October 2007, we might just have to invade Pakistan and seize their nuclear weapons, what occupy their capital city, and this is what the Kagans have in store for your kids. Scott Horton, yeah, let's let's go occupy Pakistan now. I've got, I've got to let you go, Scott. I appreciate it. Antiwar.com. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for pulling my fat out of the fire tonight. <laughs> Well, thanks for tolerating my going off uh, such length. <laughs> Thank <Appreciate> you. <laughs> Bye. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. 
This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.